Give me a go, no go for launch. Just when you think you're out, they pull you back in. I was gonna say something that was not true. I, I don't know why we do these. Let's make film history. We are go for launch. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways podcast. We are coming at you with episode 81. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, June 28th at 3 o'clock Pacific time. We're so glad that you are joining us. I'm your host, as always, Terry Plucknett. And joining me, we have the full gang together. Uh, Todd Plucknett, Zach Saltz, and Mr. Adam Daly. How's it going, guys? Superb. This is like... Holy... <laughs> Go ahead. This is like the reunion of, like, you know, the Rolling Stones or something. But, like, not the real Rolling Stones. Like, you know, the old people that dress 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 up as them and they're on PBS at 1 in the morning. Yeah, it's just, it's awesome. On the, the cover of the Rolling Stone. The boys are back in town. There we go. That's a better one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's it's great to have you, Adam. It's great that you could joining, uh, join us for... Uh, uh, a comic book movie deep dive, which uh, is right up your wheelhouse. So uh, well, uh, glad you're here. Well, my knowledge of comic book movies doesn't uh, is not as good as Zach's, but I'm really honored to be here to talk some movies with you. <laughs> it's true, Zach I, is the specialist when it comes to comic book movies. Synopsizing comic book movies. Let's let's be clear about that. <laughs> so just to be clear, uh, Terry, it's in his alley and up his wheelhouse. Is that what you're saying? Because <laughs> you screwed that up. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Uh, all right. So got dirty there all of a sudden. Up my wheel. Well, uh, let's go. Uh, Adam, what are you drinking? Uh, well, I kind of last minute uh, hopped on. I just got a Corona. That's all I have. A Corona, but it, it, with a lime, it's, it's fine. It's good. It's 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 fine. It's passable. It's pass. Hey, it's a it's a beverage that has a little bit of alcohol. So there we go. A little bit. It, it works. It works. Timely for the current. Uh, Current oh, situation. Right? I had I had Terry at plus one sixty five for making that joke. I thought Adam was the, the Adam was a dark horse on making that joke, but I would have put my money on Terry. Oh, you, you know I have to. You know I have to. Yeah. I'm I'm a teacher. I mean the the dad jokes are strong with me. They only grow scr- uh, stronger with each year. It, it, it's true. It's true. All right. Well, Zach, uh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a really cheap wine called 1924, which I believe was the year of Alfred's birth in Batman. It was also, I think, the year <laughs> of Chris O'Donnell's birth because he's really old. And uh, it's so cheap that I, you know, I bought this wine for like five dollars. I think in the year 1924, it would have been like negative five cents. <laughs> it would have. I think it was pro- it. Yeah, exactly. I, was, I think it was prohibition back then, but you know. Dude, I think you're right. I think that was Prohibition. <laughs> <laughs> Bottle of wine in the middle of Prohibition. Awesome. <laughs> Todd, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm actually drinking Costco beer. This is the APA. Yes. So, you know, I, it's been a while since I had beer on the podcast. I figured I might as well. I have I have reserves right there. So. Kirkland's Cheers. finest. That's, that's, good, that's good stuff right there. Yeah, but he's he's drinking it out of like a like a shake container. Yeah. What? No, this is from the Seattle Theater Group. It's got a, it's got a, a oh, retractable lid thing. Gotcha. It's, it's a, it's a theater beer glass. Yes. I, I, I know what, I know what that means. Very classic. Okay. I didn't know that Costco made beer. Could you get like two hundred beer cans for, you know, twenty dollars or something? 
that they sounds just like a bargain. Packs of twenty-four. <laughs> it it's it's yeah it it tastes how it sounds too. Hey, but if you're if you're looking for a good beer to play beer pong when you're like a single guy, that stuff it, it's really drinkable. So you're not gonna get too messed up. So it's really good stuff to play with. There you go. <laughs> not that well, I know. I, today I made my first trip to the grocery store since like the beginning of March because Ooh. we were almost out of beer and I had to get some beer. So I braved it. I went down the beer aisle and I'm like, okay, what's gonna fit? For for what for either you know either movie that we're gonna be talking about today, and uh, that this is this is what I th- I thought was going on as I was watching Batman Forever, and that is this is uh, from Deschutes Brewery. It's their Neon Daydream. Oh, hazy <laughs> ale. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I thought it, I thought it was perfect. The Neon Daydream, um, and, and and it's 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 a refreshing beer. I usually go for the more heavier ones, but this one's nice and refreshing. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, well, let's get into uh, what we've been watching this week uh, before we uh, do our movie review and get into our deep dives. So, uh, Zach, you're first. What have you been watching? Okay, I watched this movie called Goodbye Solo from 2008. It's a movie by Raman Barani, who uh, is a really great. Um, uh, filmmaker of Iranian descent. Um, he's an American filmmaker. Uh, he made Chop Shop, which is a, a really cool movie. I don't know why I'd never seen this movie. I remember when it came out. I just had never gotten a chance to watch it. It tells the story of an unlikely friendship between this um, Senegalese-American uh, cab driver in uh, Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina named Solo, and he's played by Suleiman Sai Savane. And uh, he's really, you know, a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. He has aspirations of being a flight attendant. He speaks like 10 languages. He's really awesome. He has a Hispanic girlfriend and a young daughter, and his girlfriend is pregnant. And so he's one side of the story. And then the other side of the story is this, like, kind of roughneck, asshole, douchebag old guy. And his name is William, and he's played by a guy named Red West, who apparently was, like, a bodyguard of Elvis in real life. And so as the movie opens, this old guy wants to get a cab ride so he can go to this mountain in North Carolina and jump off it and commit suicide. And the rest of the movie is Solo basically trying to convince him to not do it um, by, like, putting himself into William's life and trying to be happy and optimistic. It's kind of like a buddy version movie of, like, happy-go-lucky with Sally Hawkins you know like those scenes in that movie where she's like taking driving lessons from the really angry unhappy guy it's kind of like that it's like yin and yang a little bit I think we're going to talk about duality and yin and yang in this podcast later it me thinks anyway this is a really cool movie I like Raman Barani a lot it's a solid three and a half star movie it is worth checking out indie cinema late 2000s I mean it's really cool North Carolina I mean great place to make movies and uh yeah Goodbye solo. Da, da, da. Goodbye solo. That's my song. Like goodbye Toby on the office. Goodbye Toby. Goodbye solo. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> it's good to know you still got the pipes there, Zach. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh how about uh Adam, why don't you go next? What have you been watching? All right, well, I could have go with the new Amazon movie, My Spy, but I want to talk about an actual good movie. Uh, so we're going to go with a movie that Zach actually recommended me to watch, and that's Dear Zachary, A Letter to His Son About His Father. Yes. It's from 2008, and I really didn't know anything about this film. I know you guys mentioned it in your uh, uh, best uh, movie spoilers. If you guys if you knew anything about this, you would be disappointed, and I have to agree with you guys. I didn't know anything, and I was just like... 
on a roller coaster of emotions. I was really high. I was like, this guy's really awesome, and then really down, and then back up again, and then back down. It was just, it was a whirlwind of just all these different feelings, and just getting to know this guy and seeing the heartbreak of the family, and just uh, it was a crime. It became a crime drama, which I also really like listening to, like on podcasts and stuff. And it was just so so interesting and just. Uh, really really hard to explain without getting too into the, the story because i feel like this one is something that if you like really like documentaries or just like really good st interesting stories this is something you should all check out uh this is by far an easy four star film my number my new number three of 2008 so it should be like number one on our uh, our website now and uh, just a fantastic film all around and i really appreciate the watch yeah, that that movie will wreck you. I mean, that is it is. Oh, I just watched that one for the first time recently, and yeah, that movie's just nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I told Adam it was one of the few, not just a thrice approved almost sideways movie, but like four stars thrice approved almost sideways movie. And I feel like if you're still listening to this and you're one of the three listeners who listens to our podcast and we talk about this movie and you still haven't seen it, like it must sound like a cult or something. Like, you know, when you watch it, your life totally changes or something like that. But but it's so true and uh, it, it is it is absolutely worth checking out. It's I, I believe it's in my top 10 of all time. I may have to check, but it, it's I think it's like the best documentary ever made. And it's, it's streaming on Amazon Prime for free. If you have Amazon Prime, there you go. There you go. Check it out. Zach, I currently have that as your number two of 2008. Is that accurate? I, it's like number two or number one, depending on the day. Because Four Months, Three Weeks, Two Days is a pretty awesome movie, too. But, I mean, I, Dear Zachary is like, I, 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 can't, I can't imagine recommending that movie to someone and for that person to not be just, like, ripped apart by it. I mean, you put it perfectly. So, like, it's the ultimate movie to recommend to someone who's looking for a movie and a movie they've probably never heard of. Yeah. True. True. Definitely have to agree. All right. I am gonna go next. Uh, I have a few things I need to I need to get through really quick and talk about. First, I gotta update everybody. My anniversary watch of this week uh, was uh, from 2000. It was a nominee for best foreign film. It was called The Taste of Others from France, uh, directed by Agnes Jaoui. I honestly don't know how to say that name. It has way too many vowels in it. Um, and, uh, the, the description on IMDb is the lives of six people over 35 in ruined France and their relationship to each other. And I kept on trying to find, you know, some sort of at least plot description of some sort, and I couldn't find one. And then I watched a movie and found out why it's because there is no plot. It's really just these six people and just them interacting and falling in love with each other and then out of love and it's French Terry. Come on. got yeah, I know. That, that, that's that's what it's it's so a the, typical French kind of romantic comedy. Um, it's uh yeah. So there's this businessman who falls in love with this actress, and um, he has uh, his driver falls in love with this bartender, while his the guy's bodyguard also falls in love with the bartender. But then, but they're still buddies. I don't know. It's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't. It, it was a. I give it three stars. It was an interesting watch. Uh, have any of you guys seen The Taste of Others? No. I've seen The that Lives a, of Others. I, I've seen that but one not too. The, not The Taste of Others. The the most annoying character in it was um, the wife of the businessman, who's just a horrible human being. I just I just hated her whenever she was on screen. It was like no wonder you're trying to find somebody else. Um, do you realize anyways, that so yeah, no one's that gonna? That. Do you realize that no one's gonna get that reference? 
I mean, how many people have seen this movie? I mean, we have to trust, I guess, what you're going off of, but screw that businessman's wife. <laughs> that guy was, was horrible. What a, what a horrible guy. Yeah, Jean-Paul, uh, he's so terrible. The only reason I was able to see this, it's not streaming anywhere. It uh, it wasn't available for me to get the Netflix disc. Uh, the only way I was able to get it is oh, this... libraries are just barely starting to open up. And so I had to order it from a library a half hour away because they're not passing things between libraries right now and go drive to that library and do a like a curbside pickup. No, you are really... That was the only way I was able to see You're this really movie. selling this movie, Terry. Yeah. French, I mean, it's, talky, it's... you gotta drive to the library, risk your life in COVID to check it out on DVD. All of these make it the perfect Zack movie. Every That's single true. thing he, you just said <laughs> make it an even more of a Zack movie. French, gotta travel long ways to get it from a library. But you didn't ride Nobody else there. is gonna ever hear of it. Yeah, Zack would ride his yeah, bike would there. He wouldn't bike. drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's that. Uh, now, the, the best movie I saw this week was um, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, a uh, movie that just came out this uh, this year. It was one of the last films to hit theaters before everything shut down. Oh, I wanted um, to see this. Yeah, I know. It, 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 is, it is a really, really, really good movie. Um, story of a, of a teenage girl who uh, has to travel from her conservative rural town to the city to uh, get an abortion, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, it it's... It's one of those, it's a small-time indie indie film, uh, but what I love about it is it never, it, it leaves so much stuff open-ended. Yeah. Uh, there's so many things it doesn't tell you and just lets you think about because it's just focused in the present, at, on in the moment of what's going on, which is what makes it just a great movie. The two young actresses in it, um, their names are, let me find it here, uh, Sydney Flanagan is uh, the main character and her uh, her cousin, I believe it's, oh, which one plays her cousin? Talia Ryder, yeah, uh, are the two main characters. Um, they're amazing, especially Sydney Flanagan. My word, she's going to she's gonna take this, hopefully, and, and become something because she is amazing. Um, and uh, the, especially the scene that gives the, the film its title is one of the, best pieces of acting i've seen in in a while so um check that out if you haven't yet never never rarely sometimes always it just came out on dvd uh so you can um get it there it's streaming you can rent it i think i don't think it's streaming anywhere for free yet uh so there's that and then the last thing i wanted to mention is uh this week i finally finished breaking bad i got through breaking seven bad seven years late finished seven years it. later well, yeah, watched El Camino. It it's just it's such a great ending. I mean, it it make it kind of wraps everything up. It's so satisfying the way the way it ends, and then the way El Camino kind of gives this little epilogue tag on the end to really wrap everything up in a just a perfect bow is it's great. It's great. So, uh, yeah, Breaking Bad, awesome. And now I've I've actually seen it all. It's done. You'll never hear the song Baby Blue ever again and think about something else. <laughs> I, I also like how... Uh, yes. I, I like how... Or Wendy. Um, Jesse Plemons put on like 50 pounds between the end of the show and when El Camino was made. It, it was really... Uh, yeah, he hardly was, fit yeah. in that shirt. 
Yeah, <laughs> he really didn't. <laughs> it, it was it was really distracting. That was like the worst part of El Camino, is trying to look at Jesse Plemons. Okay, Todd, what'd you watch? Uh, so I finally got to watch the Golden Globe nominated movie, not Oscar nominated, for whatever reason, and that's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, by Celine Siyama, and it's an awesome movie. It's like borderline top 10 of 2019. It's about this painter who has to go paint the wedding uh, portrait for this other girl, and they like start this like really rapturous romance. It's kind of like the piano, like Sans Harvey Keitel's junk, but there actually is a piano in the movie too. Uh, but it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's a great movie. It should have been nominated for Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress. It probably should have won. Adele Hyenel is amazing yep. in the movie, and uh, yep, yeah, yep, yep. three and a half stars. It's a it's a great movie, and I mean, if I watch it again, it could easily end up in my top ten. Oh, so yes. are you saying it's better than Les Rob? Well, yeah, Les <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that wasn't that great. I, I mean, I think I gave that two and a half stars. So France picked the wrong movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah they did. Easily. That's a, also, that's a, I think that may have. Also, I think that may have been the first time the words sans and junk were ever uttered in the same sentence. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, <laughs> the Criterion Collection is just about to come out with a Blu-ray of Portrait of Lady on Fire, and I want, on the title, for it to say, from Todd Plucknett, kind of like the piano, sans Harvey Keitel's junk. I mean, I think that sums up the movie really well. It really, it, it sounds like a perfect, like, yeah, put on a movie poster... <laughs> Here, here's here's a critic's take on this almost movie. sideways it's the piano says, it's like the it's kind of like the piano sans harvey Keitel's junk <laughs> and all of you that'd be welcome. beautiful <laughs> you heard it here oh hey, that's and, awesome in all actuality that that criterion uh for portrait of a lady on fire is beautiful like the case they came up with is really good. yeah i need yeah, to get that one that's a fantastic movie all right. Well, let's move on from that. Let's get into our featured movie review. And for this, we are looking at a film just was released in the last week on uh, streaming on Prime. And that is the new Joseph Gordon-Levitt film, 7500. They don't have guns. They don't have knives. If you work together, you can beat them. It's okay. You're going to be all right. <laughs> Uh, Zach, it's you first. Tell us what 7500 is about and what you thought. All right, so 7500. Um, watched it this morning. Still kind of recovering from it. Got to be honest. It was quite an intense watch. Like, we talked a little bit about um, Uncut Gems and the Softie Brothers making, like, anxiety-driven movie, driven movies. You know, movies that make you anxious watching. This was, like, I, I thought really similar. And one of my regrets is I think this movie would have been actually awesome to watch in a theater because... I mean, I had the distraction of watching it on my on my TV. It, it just can't quite encapsulate the experience in a theater. Um, Seventy five hundred. It's kind of like a mixture of like United ninety three meets Captain Phillips. So it's a little surprising that Paul Greengrass didn't direct it, but some guy named Patrick Volrath directed it. 
And it tells the story of a pilot named Tobias, and he's played by the one and only JGL, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who, as we all know, does not make bad movies. So, you know, it was always going to be a good choice to go with this movie. Um, he's this pilot, and he works out of Berlin. And, uh, you know, the movie is kind of minimalist and aesthetic. It kind of establishes in the first 20 minutes this kind of normal procedure of a pilot getting ready to take, take off on a plane. And then a hijacking happens. And we're never really sure exactly what the terrorists' uh, motivations are. We, uh, they're, they're Muslim terrorists, they're tur- Turkish terrorists. Um, we get the sense that they're angry about something. Um, the movie, so it sounds a little bit like in 1993. I mean, the, the comparisons are sort of undeniable as you're watching it. I think the main difference with this movie, though, is that it's really mostly from the perspective of Joseph Gordon-Lovett as the pilot. It doesn't really show a lot of the action, like, outside of the cockpit. It doesn't really show what the passengers are going through. In fact, we don't really even see if a lot of them make it out of it. Um, or are, if are tortured or whatever. Um, then it's kind of something interesting happens maybe for the movie. I don't want to go into too many spoilers, but basically what sort of happens is Joseph Gordon-Lovett is forced to sort of negotiate a little bit with the terrorists. And he, I'm not going to say that like it's a Stockholm Syndrome type situation, but he kind of develops sort of a... I don't know, rapport with, with, with one of them. And uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll kind of leave it at that. I think the movie's really fascinating in the sense that it, it shows that kind of dread that you have, um, that you 93, I thought did a fantastic job of. I thought this movie did, did equally, you know, uh, equally as good of a job developing that sort of sense of dread. And a lot of it is because, you know, the, all that, that Joseph Gordon-Lovett can see is on this kind of black and white screen that's behind him. And of course he can't open the cockpit door to let the terrorists in. Um, the movie kind of goes in unexpected directions. It's a very gritty, serious movie. There's no laughs. Nothing is taken kind of for granted. It's not, I'm sorry to say, Adam, this is not a Harrison Ford, get off my motherfucking president uh, type movie. You know, <laughs> Gary Oldman is not kicked off the plane, sadly. Um, but uh, I think this this is now my number two movie of the year. I love movies like this. I love like gritty, in-your-face movies that don't have a lot of flash or flourish, but tell really kind of interesting stories about characters that... We, we don't know a whole lot of their backstory too much, but we learn about them as the movie goes along. We learn about their kind of motivations through their actions or things that they don't do. And they and, and chiefly, we, we learn about um, Joseph Gordon-Lovett's heroism in this movie. To, to quote a, a great uh, Paul Rudd line, you know, I always thought JGL was kind of a Barbara Streisand, but in this movie, he kind of kicks ass. And I, I love it. And uh, this movie is a solid three and a half star movie. Would recommend, hashtag, and uh, it, it's, it's my number two of the year so far. It is awesome. I don't know why the critics didn't like it more. It only has like a 60 on Rotten Tomatoes. Screw them. All right. This is the third, right. third podcast in a row where Streisand's been mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a Streisand, kind of a piano sans Harvey Keitel's junk. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah. All right, Todd, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It kind of sucked. I, like, oh, come on. So this <laughs> Uh, Patrick Volrath is a short filmmaker. He was nominated for an Oscar in 2015 for a movie that I actually watched as well called Everything Will Be Okay because it was on Prime. And this movie should have been a short because there's only like 25 minutes of plot that they put together. The whole thing takes place in the cabin, which is cool because that gives like a, this claustrophobic feel. But it, but they run out of things to do. Like he's watching this stupid surveillance camera thing that is right behind the door. Why doesn't he just shut it off? Because he's a weak person. So why not just shut it off? You're not gonna see. Like he's breaking down by seeing these random people get killed. But he's like right before he's like stomping on some guy's head. There's like no consistency there. And that that stupid camera was the only thing that like left anything to be told in the movie. And it, it didn't work. I mean, it, it should have been more like a Liam Neeson movie or something. No, oh, I I don't know. I mean it. <laughs> 
It probably would have been improved by seeing it on the big screen, I guess. But, I mean, it like, 90 minutes is way too long for this movie. It should have been 40 minutes. Because that's really all that all, all the story that there is. I, I like the, the one hijacker that he becomes friends with, kind of. But he, he does a pretty good job. But, I mean, it's not that great. I mean, I, I gave it two stars because it was short. But, I mean, it should have been shorter. <laughs> so, uh, did you get a chance should, to watch this? No, not, not yet. Should, should this would this movie have been better as a Disney movie with Chad? Oh, I was Koseman? about to say that joke. I was about to say that joke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Stole your thunder. No. <laughs> All right. I, I I'm glad I went in the order I did because I'm really right in between you two. Oh, I, of course. I, I enjoyed the watch. It was like Zach said. It was stressful. It was uh, it was intense. Uh, it was a thrill ride. At the same time, I agree completely with Todd that it was um, it 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 was the longest hour and a half movie I've ever watched because wow. it felt like it felt like forty minutes in that the movie was about to end and I'm like what are they gonna do for the rest for the second half of this movie and they don't do anything uh, they really don't. <laughs> like like uh, the, it is this intense thrill ride for the first 45 minutes and for the last 40 to 45 minutes all action stops and it's it's fascinating but it just it just comes to the screeching halt and this adrenaline rush is gone and so uh, i'm right i i think i'm gonna go two and a half i'm like right on the edge of two and a half three stars I'm gonna keep it at two and a half for now. I, I I was coming into this thinking, okay, if if I am the reason it's not gonna be thrice approved, I will uh I will go I will go three. But since that's not on the line here, I'm I'm gonna keep it at two and a half for now. And uh, but I I see the value in it. I enjoyed watching it, but but yeah, I, I was thinking s similar to Todd. It it felt like it should have been a short, and they tried to extend it, and in extending it, it it kind of lost its way a little bit they completely I don't know wasted the girlfriend plot too because i'm not could have been interesting but like right away like that oh, that was uh, that was off the table like i don't know like it, there, there were little things they could have expanded on but they didn't it was just we were so stuck. Well, let me ask you this okay you y'all but you didn't like the last 45 minutes first of all screw you second of all what would you have liked <laughs> them to do okay in the last 45 minutes i mean a lot of shit happens in this movie like it kind of gets crazy there are times in going in this movie where it's like what this guy maybe has like a one percent chance of survival like there's shit goes down in this movie that's like oh my freaking god how is he gonna get out of this and that happens in the second half of this movie that you're allegedly saying is allegedly too long okay give me a freaking break i think there's a lot of drama that happens in this movie and not all of it is action based not all of it is about is the plane gonna land okay what's gonna happen to the passengers it's about the human drama the human interaction as Todd was sort of alluding to right and I, I think that's fascinating and I don't think the movie does it in a ham-handed way I think it does it in a really subtle way not always through dialogue not always through character development but through what these characters would do in this very highly stressful and unpredictable situation man you're selling this movie way too short it's, it's an awesome movie if you had seen a theater you would give it thumbs up how would you that know? Could be. <laughs> uh, it dude, could be. I don't know. It's, I, they, they, they didn't even have any build up to it. Like I, I like the kind of like uh, the airport security footage that they have leading into the first scene, but I mean that that I mean that's like the only creative thing they do. I was like, oh, is this all gonna be through like uh, surveillance footage, like it's a found footage movie or something like that? But then it wasn't. I was like, so that that kind of creative like a. Uh, 
thing they did at the beginning. It wasn't anything, and it didn't build up anything about the character going into the plane. So, I don't know. It, it was like they wanted everything to take place in the cockpit, and so they tried to do that just to make it seem like... Seem that... Like it was... I don't know. Like, like it was more intense than it actually was uh, in, rea in reality. Best part of this movie was the fact that we actually got to see Joseph Gordon-Levitt in a movie again. This is the first movie we've seen him in in four years. JGL! Okay, you know, I, I, I think this movie could have been 20 minutes longer, first of all. And second of all, the only reason I'm not giving it four stars is a, sort of a minor criticism. I didn't like that they translated some of the dialogue with subtitles, some of the Arabic dialogue. To me, that was like some somehow the viewer is understanding things that Joseph Gordon-Lovett doesn't, some very critical information, especially by the end of the movie. That's my one criticism. That's my one criticism of this movie. They should have just left that um, without subtitles. I, I, I agree, because everything else is from his point of view, so yeah, why would exactly. you subtitle something that he's not going to understand? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of agree. Some some parts of it, you you know, make a little more sense, but especially at the end, it's like, we don't need that. All right. Well, I'm keeping it at two and a half. Adam, can you, Adam, see, you, it? See can you, join, can you join Team Zach here? Let's make it at least a 50% thrice-approved movie. Is that like, what, 45% or 33%? Like, at least we'll get, you know... We'll get it up there. Get get the hits out there. there Let the, yeah, I know. I, it's just been on my list. And I, we were like, my wife and I have been like, let's watch that movie. And like, oh, let's watch Bill and Ted. And then we just like, or we go to something else. And we just like, we keep pushing it back. So just missed the episode. So I'll try to watch it this week and I'll get back to you. <laughs> I mean, it's only an hour and a half long. So it's a, it's a pretty quick watch. According but, to you, it's eight like hours said, long. It, but it feels like eight hours. It felt a great forever. Movie. I'll say that. I completely disagree. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got three and a half, two and a half, and two uh, on seventy five hundred. Again, it's streaming, available on Prime. Brand new movie, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, definitely worth a watch. I will. I will give it that. It's worth a watch for sure. Okay. Let's move on and get into the main reason we are here, and that is it's deep dive time, and we are celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary of Batman Forever. Car, right? Chicks love the car. Power is a machine. Now you've devised a way to read men's minds. By the way, I've seen your mind, freak. And revenge Woo! is a trap. You're a We learned Two Face to make a pretty lethal combination. Uh, we're doing this. We've been talking about doing this for a while. Um, and we decided to do it uh, this weekend uh, after this last week, uh, hearing that uh, Joel Schumacher passed away. So we're uh, we're kind of honoring him by celebrating this uh, this probably the movie he's most known for, be just because it was the most like mainstream movie he did. But uh, but yeah, so celebrating that and uh, and and uh, everything with that. So we always start off our deep dives with trivia. And uh, Zach and Adam have trivia today. So uh, who's going first on this? Uh, you're going to go first, Terry. I'm going first. Okay. So Todd's unplugging. All right. All right. I, I, I got a score. I'm ready for this. I'm yeah. ready for this. Okay. So this is a mixture of Zach questions and Adam questions. As I said earlier, you're probably going to know what are the Zach questions <coughs> and what are the Adam questions. Okay. All right. 
Here we go. Uh, oh, uh, this has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine questions worth a total of, I think, 13 points. So, good luck. All right. On the day Batman Forever was released, what team had the best record in Major League Baseball? Cleveland Indians. Good. Nice. Nicely done. You want to guess what their record was? Oh, gosh. Um, so this would have been, I mean, this just came out, so like mid to late June, but it was a strike-shortened year. Um, so I'm going to say they were like 42 and 20. Yeah, that's, that's not too bad. It's 33 and 12. It's okay. Oh, okay. Uh, on the day Joel Schumacher was born, what team had the best record in Major League Baseball? Holy crap. Um... <laughs> So let's see here. He he was. I just looked at this. He was eighty. Um, and uh, he hadn't had his birthday yet this year. So he was born in. Uh, make him born in nineteen thirty nine. So thirty nine. I mean, I'm just gonna go safe and go Yankees. That is the right call. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's two points. Okay, now to the real movie. Uh, what are this is a two point question. What are Doctor Chase Meridian's two specialties? Um, abnormal psychology. Correct. Um, and uh, split personalities. Correct. Multiple personalities, but we'll, we'll give that to you, okay. right, Adam? I mean that that counts, yeah. right? Okay, that, count, that counts. And Adam, feel free to, to just, you know, give, give, you know, riff, you know, give whatever insights you want into these questions as, as we go along. Okay. Okay, um, sounds good. <laughs> ex- excellent. What, what actor originally played Harvey Dent in the 1989 Batman? Billy D. Williams. That is correct. You know, you're kind of killing this, man. All right. I told you I was ready for this. All right. You certainly <laughs> were. What was the awe-inspiring trick that Dick Grayson performed without the net? Uh, oh, it's uh, the death drop. The death drop is correct. Jeez, Adam, all inspiring death drop. Adam, we, sh- we should have made these questions harder. Oh no! Wait, do the the one above it. Do the one above it. The one above it. Oh crap! Okay. What? What? <laughs> I got. You I go got, go I got for it, it, Adam. Go for it. You got it. What's the name of Bruce's assistant? Yes, I forgot to write that one down. That's a good one. Oh, um. Like the girl? Yeah, the girl, yeah. Margaret? Yep. Correct. Big brain on Brad. Okay. Because uh, I got I have all that. in front. Of, I have all in front of me. You need them. Okay. This is one that both Adam and I came up with together, but separate. All right. Well, how many vintage Black Knight automobiles were made? Uh, you mean motorcycles? He means Adam, motorcycles. I yeah. mean motorcycles. motorcycles. Thank you, Adam. 101. 101 is correct. Whew. Damn, damn, he's killing it. I know. I kind of feel like Nic- I feel like Nicole Kidman. I'm out of breath right now. Okay. Um, what is Riddler's favorite vitamin? Ooh. Uh, B12. And my favorite vitamin, I might add. B12. You know, I don't think I don't think anyone has ever run a to- an entire trivia t- section we, we are on the verge of that right now dude you you got you guys got to ramp this up come on we got come we on. got two more questions left okay what is the name of the iconic gotham prison arkham asylum yeah wow 
Wow. Okay. All right. This is the tough one. There is no way in hell I would have gotten this question correct. What four names did Edward Nigma suggest for his villain name before settling on the Riddler? Uh, I actually had a feeling this was going to be one of the questions, okay. but I knew it anyways. Uh, it's the Puzzler, correct? The Gamester, Captain correct. Kill, and Question Mark Man. Yes. All right, hold on a second. We're gonna do this. You get so good <laughs> oh, on this wow. one. I got, I got another. I got another question. Okay. What? Okay. What other comic book movies have the main cast started? So that's Jim Carrey, Val Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones, Nicole Kidman, and Chris O'Donnell. What other comic book movies have those four been in? Those five, yeah. Oh, those five. Okay. Well, oh. Okay. Well, Chris O'Donnell is Batman and Robin. Correct. Correct. How many? How many are there? There is one, two, three. Don't tell him. Four. four. Well, okay. okay. Tell him. Tell him. I don't. There's, there's, there's eight. There's eight. There's eight. Oh, goodness gracious. Um. Uh. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones was in Captain America: First Avenger. Correct. Yep. Um. Let's see here. Jim Carrey. Um. Is he in anything else? I can't. I can't think of anything else. Uh. Does Sonic the Hedgehog count? Probably not. No, that does not count. No. <laughs> all right, I'm calling it good because there's no way Todd's running all those categories. <laughs> all right. You okay. Want to know I... the answers on this? Go ahead. I, I count Terry with 21 points, even though this this trivia was only worth 13 points. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Had, should we bring Todd back? I had 16 points, but okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's 16. You're right. I had 16 too. I'm sorry. I it's 16. Not 21. Right. Okay, <laughs> you're good, Todd. <laughs> All right. Okay, Todd, so, um, you know, uh, it, this was an interesting uh, uh, trivia. It was out of 13 points, and Terry somehow got 16 points. So what? You, you, have to get, <laughs> you have to get some extra credit points that uh, you'll How, have. Uh, you'll, who, who, who scored it? I did. We both did. We both well, did. Well, Zach tried to get this me was, five extra points. This was like this he... was like Two Face and the Riddler teaming up, man. Okay, this was like an <laughs> epic combination right now. All right. Okay. This is not first question. First question: On the day Batman Forever was released, what team had the best record in the major in Major League Baseball? Uh, this well, was a Zach question, by the way. What was yeah? It, well, correct. What was the, what correct. Was the, what, what was the day it was released? I can't. What, you think I'm going to tell you that? Well, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> That's part of it. I'm going to say the California Angels. That is incorrect. It was the Cleveland Indians with a record of th- 33 and 12. Okay, and Terry Nerd, got that right? Terry got that right. Because he like got the record right or something? That's why he got five extra points? <laughs> I got I got the record pretty close. I, pretty I had cool. them about twenty games above five hundred. Just the numbers are wrong. I did. He did not receive extra credit for that question, but he did have the win win total close. Okay, uh, on the day that Joel Schumacher was born, what team had the best record in Major League Baseball? The Yankees. That yeah. is correct. Ding ding ding. That was the only question I didn't know the answer to. 
but I guessed it right. There we go. <laughs> Nicely done. Okay, what actor originally played Harvey Dent in the 1989 Batman? Harvey, Harvey, Harvey. Um, man, it's been forever since I watched that. I'm going to say... Jack Palance. <laughs> Can we give him like a half point because that was a great answer. I mean, that was like right. he's in, he is some, in the movie. Yeah, I had some com- oh, is he? Give him a half point. Yeah, he's in the movie. Yeah, I got, I got two point five. Okay, give him give him half a point because it's such a creative answer. The the correct answer. You're is, my is, number one, a guy. The correct answer is Billy D. Williams. Oh, that's right. I I knew I knew there was a. I knew there was another famous person there. Okay. All right. Okay, so you missed one. the first one. Okay. What does Dr. Chase Meridian specialize in? For two points. Two points. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah I forgot that psychology. question. Uh, does that count? Uh, I don't know. Give, give him a half point. <laughs> okay, give him a half, half point. All right, all right half another point. half point. He's at, he's at two points. Wait, what? What? That's what, that's what her job is. It's what they specifically she say. Is, specific, specifically, yeah. Oh. Two specialties. There was something else too. Boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Rock climbing. Uh, standing she in the loves wind. Climbing. Standing in the wind. Uh, uh, abnormal psychology and multiple personalities is what she specializes in. Night. Night. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, next question. What is the awe-inspiring trick that Dick Grayson performed without the net? Uh, what do they call it? Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could act it out if you wanted to. Uh, the human something. I don't remember what it's called. Human centipede? Yeah, the human the human tornado centipede. Nice. <laughs> that, that's not uh, even close. No. Not no. Close. The death drop. The death drop. The okay. death drop. All right. What's the name <laughs> of Bruce's assistant? I love I love this question because I have no recollect. That's correct. I, I love this question because I have no recollection of that character or that scene. They said her they said her name one time and then she read the, the she appears to read a quiz later on and then that was the her only scene time. So that's a great question. All right, All right how so ma- your turn. Okay, how many vintage Black Knight automobiles were made? Motorcycles, <laughs> dude. Get the yeah, question gonna... right. Motorcycles. Excuse me. I did send him over motorcycles. There we go. That's correct. All right. We'll get the next one. Um, uh, this was one I added. What is Riddler's favorite vitamin? There we go. <laughs> B12. There we go. That's, That's correct. Roll. Coming back. All right. What's the name of the iconic Gotham prison? Prism. Prison. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> the, the, prison. the jail. That, prison? that Corona, <laughs> yeah, yeah. man. It's getting to you. It's Arkham. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, Arkham is... Well, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, he got yeah, it. Yes. He got it. Or, it. It goes by Arkham as well. When you say Arkham, it's the same. It's important. Yeah. Okay. Right. Four-point question. What four names did Edward Nigma suggest for his villain name before settling on the Riddler? Uh, uh, Captain Kill, question mark man... Um, I don't know. There was one with like a trench coat or something, and I don't. Know, I 
I don't remember. Okay, you got two points. Two the points. Puzzler and the gamester. The puzzler and the gamester. Where where is the extra credit? <laughs> Here, here's the extra credit one. You can, they had you to can come up with a they had to come up with another question because I got a perfect score. Alright. Well this one I, I did originally give to Zach as well, so Oh okay. Okay. Okay, so you can yes. make up here there's this is eight points. There's a possibility you can cut your lead in a little bit, kind of. Okay. What other comic book movies have the main actors of this film started? So Val Kilmer, Jim Carrey, Tommy Lee Jones, Nicole Kidman, and Chris O'Donnell. Well, uh Kick Ass Two. Kick Ass Two was for Jim Carrey. Oh, yep. Yeah. You got one that Terry didn't get. Uh, well, John Favreau's in the Iron Man movies. He's not one of well, the main guys in this. Yeah, that's true. John Favreau's in this movie. Yeah, he's an assistant. <laughs> he's an assistant. Tommy Lee Jones is in like Captain America. Yep, that's, that's one. Which Captain America? <laughs> he's uh, like I think it's the first Avenger. Yeah, okay, that's good. right. Yeah. Okay, good, good. He got it. he got it now. He's official. Uh This is pretty tricky. I had to research about these movies. <laughs> and Terry got three of these? Well, he no, he got two of these questions. Sorry. He got two. He said Captain America and there's another one. I think I have another one too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I I can't I can't come up with any other ones. Okay. Was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a comic book? No, it wasn't. No. no. Oh. So Val Kilmer was never in another comic book movie. So Jim Carrey wasn't. Jim Carrey was in Kick Ass Two, and The Mask. Oh. 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 Okay, uh, that is a comic book. Yeah, Chris O'Donnell was in Batman and Robin. Dude, that was the easiest one time. <laughs> that doesn't count. It counts. No, it's different. Oh, whatever. I, I wouldn't. Have, I would never would have said that because that's. He didn't. He didn't say different franchise. He just said another comic book movie. I, I kind of. I kind of see what Todd's saying. I think that's sort of a bullshit question. But okay. 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 I'll give him. I'll give him one point for that. Okay. There we go. Uh, Nicole Kidman was an Aquaman. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Um, he was in four of them. Tommy Lee Jones was in four movies. He was in Captain America: The First Avenger, and Men in Black One, Two, and Three. Oh, so I see that. Yeah, so that's that's the question. Yeah. So what do I right, so What's our final like, score? Like nine. <laughs> I have him at ten. Uh, I have him at eleven because we gave him the Crystal Donner one. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to help the guy out. Help the brother out. <laughs> uh, so Terry wins. Well, either way, I think I win. <laughs> I think I win. <laughs> I, I was I was like prepared, man. I I was going for like he he like Edward Nigma lives in at the crisscross laundry and um I, I I was ready for like the other question I thought would have been a good one would have been what two names does uh does Two Face call Batman in the first scene of the movie? He calls him the Winged Avenger and that flying night rat. Oh yeah. I, I, I yeah, thought they I, were gonna ask like what what two uh, sets of food do uh, Two Faces girls ma- make for him? Oh, I oh. thought about that. One was like sparkling champagne and something. The other one like roasted a pig. The lemon souffle. We roasted a pig with grain alcohol. And there's the other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some, and some oh, dirty meat. Boar. 
Oh, and the, and the other one, yeah, it was sparkling champagne, lemon souffle. Uh, there were some quail eggs and, yeah, like cod or something like that. Anyways, I was, okay. I was going to ask what Joel Schumacher's middle initial was. <laughs> <laughs> According to Wikipedia. Because you can really tell how much, uh, how much of a fan of this movie Zach is. All right. It was tea, by well, the way. I won trivia. And so I get to talk about this movie first, and which is good, because I'm the one that suggested we do this movie, because I didn't realize it until I was watching it yesterday that uh, Zach and I always talk about how growing up we wore out our VHS copies of Apollo 13. And watching this yesterday, I realized that I did. That movie I've watched more than anything else. But this might be second, because I wore out our VHS copy of this too, because I could pretty much quote the entire movie, and I haven't seen this in like 15 years, so I was I was happy with that. Um, so this is uh, the third installment of uh, of the Batman franchise that Tim Burton started. This is the first one he did not direct. He is still a producer on it, and it's the first one not starring Michael Keaton. We have Val Kilmer, and uh, it is Val Kilmer's Batman struggling with his identity. And um, and repressed memories as he fights uh, Two-Face and the Riddler. Two-Face being Harvey Dent, the former district attorney. The Riddler being someone who is aspiring to be Bruce Wayne. And uh, they team up and go against him. The love interest in this is, um, like we said, uh, deals with abnormal psychology and multiple personalities. Tries to crack uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman's brain. And then you also have the emergence of Robin. Um, and, uh, the, who was a flying Grayson in the circus before, uh, before an untimely demise similar to Bruce Wayne's, um, came out in 1995. It feels very much like a nineties movie. And like, yeah, like I said, I've probably seen this movie It top five most viewed movie probably in my lifetime. This wow. is wow. How did I not know that about you? I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't even know that about myself until I just started watching it again. And it was like, man, I've seen this movie way too many times. I mean, when you get 16 out of 13 on trivia, that, you know, that kind of qualifies. I was kind of, I was scared you guys were going to come up with, with really lame trivia and I was going to be, I was going to be bummed, but. Apparently they did. You got them all right. Yeah, yeah. And I got them all, like, immediately, too. The only one I had to think about was the Yankees. <laughs> uh, so, Todd, how about you? What's what? Uh, what do you? What's your experience with this? What do you remember? Well, I've seen it a lot, too, when I was a kid. And for, for the record, you didn't wear out the VHS because it still works because that's what I watched it on. Uh, so, <laughs> nice. Because, yeah, I don't have it on DVD. And that VCR I have hasn't worked. It lost like five times I tried it, but it worked with that VHS. So, you really didn't wear it out. But, yeah, um, I, I mean, I, won't... I, I, think, I think that VHS is just ingrained into that VCR's memory. True. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but, it, I don't know. It's a, it's a fun movie. I, I've always I've always been kind of fond of it. It's, it's sort of campy and comedic, but, uh, I mean, it's still Batman. Batman's always been my favorite superhero. And,. I, I I haven't watched any of these Batman movies in forever, so this was, it was fun to revisit this one. How about you, Adam? Yeah, this is definitely the one that I'm most nostalgic for. Like, I think that Batman 89 and Returns are 
probably better films, but Forever was the one I watched definitely the most. I always really loved the Riddler in this one. However, I kind of was annoyed by him a little bit more on this next this last rewatch. Uh, but with that said, though, I, I just enjoyed the heck out of this film. I was able to just like, like oh, this is just relive some memories as a kid. So yeah, Batman Forever is a classic uh, movie for me, and I, I definitely have watched this most out of any of the franchise. So. All right, Zach, you you are our uh, our comic book expert here. What's yeah, your experience with Batman Forever? So, I mean, we are a podcast based out of Pacific Northwest, except for me. I hail from the Pacific Northwest, though. And do you guys remember, maybe, you know, I, I already said before this podcast, our childhoods were very different. When I was growing up, I didn't have air conditioning. Did you guys have air conditioning? No. It, it, yeah, it's not really a requirement in the Pacific Northwest, which 95% of the country thinks is insane, but it's true. You don't really need it. However, I remember growing up, going to the movies during the summer to get out of the heat. Do you, did you guys ever do that? And one of the movies I remember seeing to get out of the heat was Batman Forever. Low-key, it might have been Batman and Robin. I can't remember. But I do remember seeing... <laughs> <laughs> a Batman movie in a theater with my mom, who who was very he, she was kind of like you know Kyle's mom on uh, South Park. She did not like me watching offensive movies, so she did not love certain elements of this movie or Batman and Robin, whatever movie we we were seeing. But I remember liking it. I dug it. I did watch it later when I was in college at some point. Hashtag Weber Hall. Terry knows what I'm talking about. But yeah. I, I do not remember this movie at all. So technically, I guess this was a third time I had seen it. This was the first time I think I'd really paid attention to it. And let me tell you, man, it, that, it was a trip watching this movie. I mean, it was, it, uh, wow. I, you Neon know, Daydream. It was a neon daydream. It was like a Joel Schumacher like manifesto with some incredible 90s performances, an incredible 90s soundtrack, and in some incredible 90s CGI as well. So, I, you know, I did not wear out the VHS. I did not own it on VHS. But uh, of the four original movies pre-Christopher Nolan, this is the one that uh, I have the most affection for. Hey, that's good. That's a good sign. Well, it's not saying much. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like saying what the best Kansas Jayhawk football team of the last 10 years has been. But, okay, <laughs> we'll move on. <laughs> and I, I would say probably, I, I agree with Adam in that the Batman and Batman Returns are possibly better movies. But, um, but they were very, very much Tim Burton movies. They were dark, they were quirky, and and Batman Forever kind of was that bridge of it still had some dark elements to it it still had a little bit of that darkness but it also was very camp and mainstream and then batman and robin just went off the ledge and how campy they were they made it so um th this this was that bridge and i think that's why you know as kids we watch this one the most is because it wasn't dark and but it was still it, it it was a little campy, but it was still good. It was a still a solid a little? movie. A little, a little, <laughs> a little. Have you seen Batman and Robin? <laughs> every every word that Arnold Schwarzenegger says in that movie is a pun. Uh, what killed the anyway. dinosaurs? The ice the age. Ice age. <laughs> Let's kick some ice. Uh, cool party. Yeah. Chill. Thermal dust doesn't work on the cold hearted. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
It's, it's, uh, deep dive, it's deep dive Batman and Robin right now. Let's see that instead. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. All right. Well, we're going to start off by doing a couple things that we haven't. Uh, we're doing special for this episode. Like I said, um, we're talking Batman Forever, not only because it's 25th anniversary, we wanted to talk about it, but uh, to honor Joel Schumacher, too. Uh, and he had a very wide ranging filmography. So we're going to quick put together a Mount Rushmore of Joel Schumacher films. Um, and what, what his best were and, uh, and see what we got here. Since we have all four of us, we get to all just submit one and that's going to be, that's going to be our Mount Rushmore here. So, uh, let's see here. I'm going to start with Todd. Um, Okay, so I I looked it over and I've seen fifteen Joel Schumacher movies, and you could separate wow. them into three categories, Jeez. or maybe four. There is he has two truly great movies, one good movie, about nine like deeply flawed, entertaining movies, and five really really bad movies. But the the one the be, the best movie by far that he made was Tigerland uh, in uh, two thousand, starring Colin Farrell and Cole Hauser about Vietnam uh, training. A session and it, it's a it's a great movie it's completely unlike anything you ever did but tigerland is obviously on his mount rushmore interesting that is not where i thought you were going to go with that that's not where i thought either maybe i picked no. carries i don't know have any of you seen okay. tigerland no i've not seen tigerland <laughs> no it sounds like well, a top that, movie that's sad but, <laughs> but you're not the only person that say tigerland's his best movie i've definitely heard that a couple times recently cool so, All right, like uh, Adam, you're next. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, there's two movies I'm kind of thinking for. However, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna take the Batman Forever route. I'm just gonna go with that one because I think if you're going to go some uh, some '90s cheese, nostalgic for Joe Schumacher, when I think of him, I'm thinking of those the Batman Forever movie. Uh, so I'm, I think for me is. When you if you ask who Joel Schumacher is, he's the guy who did Batman and Batman Forever. I think out of the two Batman movies, you got to put at least one of them on there, and I think Forever is the one that we all said we at least enjoyed for the most part, and uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet to go with. So I was there's one more that I could think, but I think Terry might say it. So I'm, I'm hoping anyway. We'll see if my gamble paid off. Yeah. No, the other great one Terry is not going to say, and Zach probably isn't going to say either, which is upsetting. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> So well, it's the one. I, right. I love the, the one shrouded I language. Gone. Yeah, I know. It's I know. mystery. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that here in a sec. All right, so I'm gonna go next. Uh, there's uh, there's two I want to pick, but I got to pick the better of the two, and that's phone booth. Oh, see, he I, did um, pick it. That's I, see, wow. I, I knew it. I said yes. Wow. I knew it. Shocking. Joel Joel Schumacher was best when he was um was going minimal. <laughs> And not trying to do a whole lot when he when he got to be stylized, it usually went badly. Um, and so his best films are when he was able to to be contained by the the story. And Phone Booth is the best example of that. So uh, so that's that's my submission. Yeah, good call. We just we just screwed over. Right, Zach, we took his we early just... two, we took his post Batman <laughs> shit. Like, yeah, two, and we just screwed over Zach. Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't want to shit on him, especially because he died. But listen, man, he was kind of a terrible director. Like, I've only given two of his movies thumbs up, and one of them was Phone Booth. I don't remember Phone Booth, uh, so I and I'm not going to say it because Terry just said it. Um... I really want to rewatch Falling Down 
I, I'm, I'm convinced that at, after our deep dive of Joe, I would really like Falling Down because Falling Down is basically the Joe of the 1990s. I, I really want to rewatch it. Um, for me, it's do you want to take episode. phone booth so I could say something else? No, we I don't want do that. No, I don't want to take phone booth. I, I want to take Cousins because no one will ever talk about Cousins. It's his best movie. It's a remake of Cousin Cuisine, which is the French movie from 1975, which got a random <laughs> Best Actress nomination. Um, it's the most unjoel Schumacher-like movie. Terry was talking about The Taste of Others. It's a very French movie that nothing happened, and people slept with each other, and relationships, and the truck driver's wife, or whatever. Like, like Cousins is exactly like that. It's with Ted Danson and Isabella Rossellini, and Loki. I may have watched it last night because I didn't want to say Phone Booth on this podcast. So, it, 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 it's a solid movie. You guys need to see Tigerland. Like, you can shit on him all you want, but Tigerland is a legitimately great movie. It's a top ten of 2000. There we go. Uh, Todd's boss would have said DC Cab. <laughs> yeah, that's one of his truly bad movies. He has five really terrible movies. Veronica Guerin, DC Cab, The Lost Boys, Flatliners, and St. Elmo's Fire are all awful movies, and three of them are actually <laughs> among his most popular <laughs> Well, Animal Fire for... isn't that bad. Oh, I don't pretty, remember much about bad. it. But what about bad. the? What, we're 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 ignoring the low hanging fruit here, and that is the number twenty three. I mean, that's just one of the worst yeah. movies ever made. But I've I saw that. I saw that. I saw that in theater. I saw that in theater, man. <laughs> A time to Which... kill and eight millimeter are close to this conversation. Yeah, the, I I I was picking between Phone Booth and A Time to Kill. I I think A Time to Kill is a really great movie. Yeah, I was thinking a lot. Or the client. The client's not that good. That, that's like I never saw it. Flawless and the client are just like okay movies that like they're like flawed but they're they're decent. I was thinking the Lost Boys too, but uh, no, was, that's that's but not good. That's 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 really bad. That's when I I've watched it a long time ago, and then I was like, I don't remember it. I can't talk about this one. So Batman Forever. <laughs> uh, the, the best example, the best example of uh, of him getting an opportunity to be stylized and and ruining it was him trying to adapt Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, I, I just thought yeah. he, he it's it's so it's such a great story. It's got such great music, but how he did it was just wrong. So I, I had a question for you guys. If if Joel Schumacher was an NFL quarterback, who would he be? And I think the answer is clearly Jameis Winston. I mean, the guy is going to throw 30 interceptions, but he could still throw the ball. You know what I mean? Like he had flair. He had, he had a a vision for his movies, but he was kind of terrible in some ways with his artistic decisions. But you know, it was like watching a a train crash. Well, I was going to say Mark Sanchez. He had two good seasons, two really good movies. And then all of a sudden he just like fumbles the football on the guy's butt. So lots lots of butts in his movies like this one. And and black latex. Uh, I was gonna say like Brian Hoyer, he, he, he's you know the the guy that everyone's like you know what, we should get Brian Hoyer on our team, <laughs> and then he actually has to play and like oh crap. <laughs> so maybe that's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, like it's like he, it's it's he has his yeah, flashes, good. but at the same time it's like you watch him play and you're like what sport is he doing and why <laughs> what is with that beard? <laughs> the Amish rifle. The Amish rifle. Uh, Harvard. There educated. is a, there. There's a funny connection between the client and the number twenty-three with this movie, actually. Were they made forever. twenty-three years apart? Well, no. Oh, <laughs> conspiracy theory. <laughs> that is actually that's pretty funny though. Twenty-three. So, are you going to tell us, or is this just like a? Yeah. Is it, so, okay. well, this it connects to Batman Forever. So, 
it, but it also ties into some of my my gripes. So I don't want to necessarily. Okay, so the client, Tommy Lee Jones, was in that the client, and Schumacher really wanted to work with him because of his work on the client. So that's how he got the part for Batman Forever. And then and through Batman Forever, he said he would he would vow never to work with Jim Carrey or Tommy Lee Jones again, until the number twenty three came. Out. So <laughs> there is kind of a, a weird like Kevin Bacon. Seven degrees thing. So, 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 what you're saying is he should have kept his word. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he should have okay. kept his word. So, anyway. All right. Well, let's get in. Let's get into our other uh, our other category. We're starting off here, and that is since we're doing a Batman movie, there have been many Batman movies, many iterations of it, many people playing it. We're about to have next year. I think it's next year now. Robert Pattinson's going to play Batman. So, we're going to do a quick ranking of the best Batman. Uh, we we have seven names on the list, so there's there's Adam West the original, and then you've got Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, uh, Will Arnett is Lego Batman, and uh, then you've got Ben Affleck in the in the DCEU. So uh, I'm gonna go first. Uh, I'm just gonna go straight through seven seven to one here. So number seven, I've got Val Kilmer. Six, Adam West. Five Ben Affleck, four George Clooney, three Will Arnett, two Christian Bale, one Michael Keaton. I think Keaton just had had a that quirkiness to him where he could be the 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 guy out in front, but also have that darkness. Bale, I think, portrayed it perfectly of being that that two sided thing. Will Arnett has the perfect voice for it, and he's just hilarious. Um, I think George Clooney would have been a great Batman if he actually was given a good movie to do it in. Um, Affleck does a great job. Those two are pretty close, and we'll talk more about Val Kilmer. But yeah, so that's my list. Um, Adam, you're next. All right, I got uh, Val Kilmer at uh, number seven. I got George Clooney at uh, six. Adam West at uh, what is this? Five. Will Arnett four. Ben Affleck three. Christian Bale two. Uh, Michael Keaton at one. But I would also throw in Kevin Conroy because he was in a, uh, a theater edition with Batman Mask of the Phantasm, plus played several iterations of it on the TV show and also like straight-to-video movies. But Adam West also did the same thing with his uh, iteration as well. So he did two he did two animated films as Batman. But it takes it's a, their sequels to the Adam West Batman movie. Like a couple years ago, they just came out, so it's it's kind of interesting to see because they have all the original cast from the Adam West Batman in that. Uh, um, like they get Dick Ward back as well as to play Robin. It's kind of funny. Anyway, go ahead. That's my that's my. Line. If I were predicting your list, I would have put animated Batman on it. So. Yeah, Kevin Conroy would be number one. So. <laughs> uh, Zach, you're next. Okay, I didn't do a ranking. Um, I put as my number one Steve Carell as Ace in the ambiguously gay duo. Because that is very much uh, based on Batman and Robin. Steve Carell as the Robin character in uh, the Ambiguously Gay duo. His name in that is um, Gary. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) You don't, really? I do. I know what you're talking about. Obviously, Todd's not a golfer. No. All right. Todd, I'm not a what's golfer. your list? What? It's a quote, dude. Come uh, on. Are you talking about The Office? No. No, it's Saturday Night Live. Oh, 
Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. So my number seven is George Clooney. Number six, Ben Affleck. Number five, Val Kilmer. Number four, Michael Keaton. Number three, Adam West. Will Arnett, I have a number two, but because his bat voice is not as good as Christian Bale's, and he's also the best asshole Bruce Wayne rich guy I've ever seen. Like, he's the best Bruce Wayne, and he's the best Batman. He's clearly number one, and I can't believe none of you put him number one. Where are they? <laughs> That's a good pick. If I, had, if I was he's being, number two. If I was being serious, I would I would agree with Todd. Yeah, so I think I think Michael Keaton as Batman was just perfect for a Tim Burton Batman movie, and it was just, it was just a perfect fit of actor with character and director. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, so this movie actually had three Oscar nominations in 1995. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Cinematography, sound, and special uh, sound effects editing. Did it deserve any more? Did it deserve those? I've seen some people on Twitter recently talking about how how did this get cinematography nomination? I mean, it just is kind of it is way over the top. I thought it was actually better than I remember it being. There were some like actually pretty cool shots, like when he was like uh, jumping off the building into that uh, that tunnel where to catch Two Face. That was pretty for that time. That was pretty a uh, cool jump cut back on the camera and uh. There, there, it's not like the greatest, but it at least I was kind of like, well, this is way better than I remember it being, camera wise. I I always hated just how much the look and style and feel of Gotham City changed from Batman Batman Returns to Batman Forever Batman and Robin. Like, there's only I would say there's only one shot in this movie that felt like it could have come from the first two, and that is when. Val Kilmer as Bruce Wayne pulls up to Dr. Meridian's office building. That is the only shot in the whole movie that feels like it could have been from the first two. Because everything else is a neon daydream. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of rotating cameras too, from like upside down to forward. They do that yeah. a lot of the, they, they do that a lot in the MCU now, but um, that's there's that happened a quite a few times in this film. Yeah, it, it, it just makes it feel like Gotham is like this larger-than-life, ridiculously never, ever would there ever be a city like that type of place. Yeah, it's it's all... They never revisit the same buildings either. They can, you go to Wayne Enterprises and also they have, this, they have this research lab, but it's never the same building in, in any movie, so... Yeah. So, okay. can we talk about... The, this movie is also nominated for a Golden Raspberry Award... And that award was, it was nominated for Worst Original Song, um, not Kiss by Rose, but Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, from Batman Forever. And it, it, does anyone know what song defeated it, or maybe lost to it, at the Golden Raspberry Awards in 1995? Any guesses? I don't know. The I don't correct know, but that song was, was nominated for a Golden Globe too, right? Yeah, I see that. Yeah. I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. The, the winner at the Golden Raspberry Awards was Walk Into the Wind, also known as the love theme from the rape scene in Showgirls. Hey, there we go. <laughs> it goes full circle with this podcast. There we go. I, I, was, I was surprised that Kiss from a Rose didn't get some Oscar love or any any awards love. There's got to be some rule at... against like it playing in the second half of the end credits. 
<laughs> for being eligible. Yeah, for but I mean that was like that was like a big huge. All right, what was it about 1995 and and having these R and B slow jams being the themes to <laughs> mega blockbuster hits? You've got "Kiss from a Rose" by Seal and Batman Forever, and then you had um, "I Believe I Can Fly" by R. Kelly and Space Jam. I mean the, these that. It was like the year of um, movie themes that were R&B slow jams. Pretty sure that was the wrong year. 96, Terry. Was it 96? Yeah. Oh, well, whatever. (laughs) Right around the same time. I I think it was because the the events of, of uh, of that movie take place in 95. That's what I'm going with. True. There we go. Last chance. We'll go with it. Terry Francona. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so bummed that he actually wasn't the manager of the Birmingham Barons in that movie. That would have been amazing. It would have been. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get into our recast. So we recast this every time. This one's a little different because we do we see so many iterations of Batman. Um, like we just talked about, there have been seven people that have or eight people that have act or played or voiced batman over the last 30 years uh but we're gonna recast it if batman forever came out now uh who would play all the main parts so we've got six parts here uh let's start with bruce wayne batman uh todd you're going first who is your uh who is your bruce wayne well you could go in two directions you could go like who you would want to see and and who would be closest to what val kilmer brought to the table and I guess I'll go with that one. I, so I'll go, I went with Sam Worthington. He, uh, oh, be, no. He needs, uh, he, he needs another franchise, right? He's only blown three of them or something. So I, that's <laughs> Just give it, give it a Jeremy Renner. He'll switch. I was also considering Taron Egerton, but I, I think he might be a little too young. All right. Uh, Zach. I went with um, Tom Hardy because Tom Hardy also has no affect in his voice and he can play that really well. Low-key trivia in Joel Schumacher, in my number one Joel Schumacher movie, uh, Cousins, there is a character named Tom Hardy played by the one and only William Peterson of CSI fame. And so uh, Tom Hardy as Batman makes the most sense. Okay. Uh, all right, so uh, my my Bruce Wayne, I went kind of similar to Todd and went with someone that uh, that um, kind of brings to the table the same thing Val Kilmer brought to the table. So I went with Hayden Christensen. Ugh. About the same age. <laughs> Trauma man. But PTSD. I, I always go for I always go for trying to get the same age, but yeah, he's he's like Val Kilmer was thirty five when this was made, which is kind of crazy to think about. But Hayden Christensen mid mid to late thirties. Uh, yeah. I, I think I think he he would be able to bring bring to the table what Val Kilmer brought to the table. That's the kid from My Life as a House. If you got, if you uh, didn't know, right? <laughs> my Life is an episode would, of Goosebumps. Wasn't he also in Shattered Glass? Shattered Glass. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Jumper. Yeah. Jumper. Oh, there Classic. You go. Pulling that shit out. Life as a House is actually a good movie, though. It's a Todd movie. It's like Tigerland. All right, Adam. It is a Todd movie. Life of the House is not a Todd movie. Adam, who's your Bruce Wayne? Well, I I didn't know we were actually doing a recasting. That's my bad. Uh, So (laughs) I I didn't get told all the details yet. Um, But uh, that's why why I went with you last, so you could think. 
Yeah, I I would go with. Okay, so you got to look since my thirties. You could do with a deeper voice. Um, <laughs> it's a good description. Harvey Keitel saws rock. Screw this voice at all. Yeah, he didn't do the voice. He's kind of a dick in this movie. Uh, oh, Kilmer is anyway. Uh, uh, let's see here. Let's see. Uh, yeah, crap. I have another one. I, I'll come back to me on this one. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. We'll come back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to uh, to uh, Dick Grayson slash Robin. Uh, originally brought to us by Chris O'Donnell. Um, Chris O'Donnell would be a decent Bruce Wayne. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, Todd, who's your who's your Robin? Uh, so I had two ideas. Uh, one of them would, would have been like Donald Glover or something. I think that he'd be awesome, like sidekick in one of these movies. But I, I went with Austin Butler, who plays Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and is going to play Elvis in a movie coming up. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it's not a difficult part to play, but uh, he, he's he's a younger dude who uh, who's sort of up and coming, sort of like Chris O'Donnell was in 95. So I, that's what I want. Yeah, you got you to gotta find that, that up-and-comer. Uh, Zach, who do you got? I went with Todd Luiso because his name is Dick, like his name in a high fidelity. And if you look at his IMDb, he was born in 1970, which is the same year as Chris O'Donnell was born. And obviously Robin in this movie is meant to be a teenager played by a 50-year-old man. So why <laughs> not go with Todd Luiso? There you go. There you go. So, uh, for for me, part of me wanted to go with, um, if I'm going with Hayden Christensen as Batman, part of me wanted to do Jake Lloyd as Robin, but I oh, didn't. PTS, <laughs> no, that's PTSD, I man. I, that should be your choice. That's a great idea. <laughs> wait, wait. What did he say? What did he say? I, I said Jake Lloyd should be Robin if Hayden Christensen is Batman. Um, so, uh, no, James Earl Jones can be Alfred, right? There you go. There you go. No, uh, wow. I'm going with. Um, I had two choices here. Um, one of them was Shamik Moore. I thought he'd be that'd be an interesting one, kind of similar to what Todd you said with uh, with Don Glover. Uh, but the one I went with was Dean Charles Chapman uh, from uh, from 1917, from Game of Thrones. And again, another young up and coming actor um, that I think would do a really good job in something like this. He's a little too chubby to be a trapeze artist. Ouch! Body, I, 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 body honestly, shame. I was thinking about that. I, I thought about that, but uh, I, I don't know. He could get in shape. <laughs> Chris O'Donnell was a little chubby in the scent of a woman. <laughs> Val, Val Kilmer was not exactly, uh, you know, pumping the iron for this movie. So yeah, but he wasn't the trapeze artist in the movie. You're, Donnie, you're out of your element. All right. Oh, I, got, I got somebody. Okay, so if we were doing the Dick Grayson version, you would have to think of somebody who could actually become Nightwing after this as well. So I would, I would, I thought kind of like um, he's too old though. Kit Harrington, oh, would be from Game of Thrones. He's a little too older for that because he he would be a better Nightwing than anything. But we would go with somebody younger, and I got a guy who actually was in Gotham. His name is David Mouse. I can't say M A Z O U. Z, Z. David he's Mouse. a young yeah that's who it is. Mazus, yeah he would be a better uh Damian Wayne so it's kind of the stipulation he's a, still a Robin but it, he's more of a he's actually Batman's son than a, a Grayson so you say Damon Wayans Damon Wayne yeah so in the comp, Damon Wayans yes Damon Damian Wayne like Bruce Wayne's son he uh he has a son with uh 
Ra's al Ghul's character, uh, his, uh, his daughter. Ra's al Ghul was played by Liam Neeson in Batman Begins. He had a daughter, which was Marianne Cotillard. They, Batman and her had a son, which was Damian Wayne. And he was trained just like Batman, too. He's a pretty awesome character. So that's who I would pick as to pay, be Robin. Okay. Wow. wow. Sorry. <laughs> there we go. It's a no, deep dive. I, I just deep dive of Robin. I just didn't realize just how much we were going to nerd out on all this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is awesome. There we go. Pronouncing names is awesome. not our strong suit either. Terry couldn't pronounce the director's name. And then... Uh... <laughs> And Dude, there were four out. vowels in a row in his name. <laughs> Just say it. It's endearing, Perry. There we go. See, there we go. All right. All right. Uh, next, we're going to uh, uh, Edward, Edward, Edward Nigma, uh, the Riddler, played by Jim Carrey. Todd, who do you got? I have three fantastic ideas. I almost want to, like, not say the other ones. but I'm go- So I'll go with the best idea I had, which is Andy Samberg. Because... Uh, like th- this role is a total Jim Carrey, like crazy thing, and I uh, Andy Samberg is the only guy working now that really could do that kind of that that kind of character, and I I think it'd be amazing to watch him like morph into a villain after it's still being like ridiculous Andy Samberg. Yeah, I I actually that was one of the names I thought of too. Um, mainly I was thinking about this when this came out. Jim Carrey was really at the height of his power. Like, this is 1995. The year before, Dumb and Dumber and The Mask came out. And Ace Ventura. And Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. So, I mean, everyone just found out who this guy was with three of the biggest movies of the year before. And then he comes out with Batman Forever. Also, this year was Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. He was, like, the biggest comedy star in the world at this point. And he takes on this role. So I was looking at who is who is like our greatest physical comedian right now. And there really isn't one uh, of that, of like that, you know, late twenties, early thirties type of guy. Um, so Sandberg was one I came up with. The other one I, I thought of that I thought might work a little better. That would bring a little different spin to it is a Taika Waititi. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think Edward Nigma could be any age. He, I, I, yeah, I think I think his age can kind of be all over the place. But yeah, that was the one I could come up with, of uh, just someone that could that has has that that gravitas of putting that name on the top of the on the top of the poster. I mean, Sandberg could do it too. But I was trying to think of somebody else. Well, that was the, the, the one that you're with. missing, Terry, is Ryan Reynolds. He's he's the physical comedian that we have now, and I think he's a perfect. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. That is a good one. I like mine. I like, I like mine. <laughs> okay, there were only two names that came to mind for me. One was Jesse Eisenberg, but again, bad, bad associations there. So we're gonna get rid of Jesse Eisenberg. Where's Adam going, man? <laughs> were we losing? Something burning. Something burning. burning. Oh, something, okay. Something Jesse Eisenberg going? was the best part of that movie. <laughs> Uh, the other name I had, but he's way too dignified to ever do a remake of Batman Forever. That is Paul Dano, but he would never do it. No, Paul Dano's actually playing the Riddler in the the Robert Pattinson one. Really? Yeah, he is. <laughs> I didn't know that. I swear, no one's gonna believe me. He I didn't know that. He would never do it. <laughs> until, never until next year. Until he does. <laughs> until next... <laughs> Paul Dano's my choice. I stand by it. <laughs> 
Okay, it's fun. Okay, it's fun. This is funny. You said Jesse Eisenberg to begin with. So originally, when they were making Batman versus Superman, Jesse Eisenberg got the cast. He got cast as the Riddler, but they switched it at the last minute and said, "No, we're gonna be. You're gonna be Lex Luthor." So all his dialogue was delivered as the Riddler because he didn't want to go back and uh, re- the uh, uh, you know research for it. So it, he was delivering a lot of his lines like the Riddler. By the way, so that's what he's, he said. So. I didn't know that. That's interesting. What kind yeah. of research goes into performing the Riddler? <laughs> I want to know that. I, I don't know. You watch but... Batman forever, over and over, over and over and... again. You you play the Batman Arkham games. You play. You watch. You know. <laughs> you do some stuff. All right, Adam. Who's your Riddler? Okay, I had two. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris came to mind, but then I was like, nah, he, he's no, no. I actually thought of something kind of good. Thomas Middleditch. From uh, Silicon Valley, yeah, <laughs> you go know, the super nerdy, you know, the super nerdy route, because uh, it could work. Because in the uh, the Batman Arkham games, he's kind of a more of a he doesn't really get into combat at all. He's kind of behind the scenes uh, doing riddles and stuff like that for the character. But he actually would be kind of perfect for it. He would give that good Edward Enigma and the research facility stuff. I I, I kind of dig that actually when I was thinking about. It. I was like that that could actually work. He doesn't have to fight, but he can actually do a lot of his uh, line delivery. I, I dig it. I can see it. Alright, alright. My other answer was Justin Long. I, I oh, think yeah. that's a total Justin yeah. Long role. Yeah, yeah. Alright, Todd, give us your Two-Face. Originally brought to us by Tommy Lee Jones. There's only one answer when I was thinking about it. It's Sam Rockwell. I almost don't need any explanation. You would have to be a racist Two-Face. Well, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Zach, how about you? Uh, I went with Albert Brooks. Oh Again, my God. no, no explanation necessary. Because <laughs> you don't want the movie to be good. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, give it thumbs down. All right, I really like my choice, and I think it's it is much better than than what you guys have said. Um, and uh, because I mean, you got Tommy Lee Jones here. He to- Tommy Lee Jones. This is what two years after he just won an Oscar for The Fugitive. Similar to Sam. I Rafa. mean, he's what. Similar to, oh, yeah, similar to Sam Rockwell, yeah, but I mean, but Sam Rockwell's done the goofy stuff before. This is someone that is that is fairly straight-laced in Tommy Lee Jones, really going outside of his comfort zone, outside of the box, and doing something like this. Um, a very dignified actor. I'm going John Hamm. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, that's what I said. That's what I'm saying too. <laughs> really? that's what I'm, I'm telling you, John, it'd be awesome. John Hamm is He's hilarious. Have you ever seen him on SNL? Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh, amazing. That's, 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 and Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I mean, he, he could be funny, but I mean, oh, that's a terrible the, Harvey Dent, though. I agree. He could do it. No, it's a great Harvey Dent. It's a better. It's a better Bruce Wayne. Yeah. He no, I mean, this is. I mean, he's about the age of what Harvey Dent would need to be. He'd so, be a better Harvey Dent than Aaron Eckhart. I'll tell you that. That's the worst part of Dark Knight. Ne- never, never bought him for turning turning bad. I <laughs> another bad take. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Ad, Adam. So you had you had uh, John Hamm too. You said yeah. My my two things was uh, John Hamm or Adam Driver. If you want to go a little, Adam Driver. Could, Adam Driver would make more sense. He yeah. he would no, be. It he's already played a, like the, a half alive person. Based off the cast, if you're going for like the younger one, but you could also do that kind of. Uh, maybe Harvey Dent was the older mint. 
kind of knew Bruce Wayne from his father and uh, has a mentor. He could have used John Hamm, but uh, Adam Driver. We're going for a younger cast, kind of up and coming. I think Adam Driver would be a good, good way to go. As I can well. see it. Though. I'm disappointed you guys don't like my pick. I was really excited for that one. Adam did. No, yeah, I, I actually originally thought I, when I was thinking about it, I was like John Hamm could be pretty. He could be menacing. He kind of even looks like Tommy Lee Jones a little bit. Oh, I thought That's... you were going to say Two-Face. I was like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ow. All right. Next, we've got Alfred, uh, originally brought to us by uh, Michael, is it Go? Goff? I don't know how to say his last name. The one yeah. actor who was, I, or no, him and Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon were the two people that were in all four of the, of the late 80s or, and 90s Batman movies. Yeah. Uh, so who's our who's our Alfred Todd? I don't know. It's not an easy one to recast because uh, I th- that guy is ingrained in my head as being Alfred. Uh, but absolutely, so I just said screw it. I'm not going with an English guy. I'm going with Christopher Walken because uh, who wouldn't want oh. Chris Walken to be your butler? <laughs> wow. All right, Zach. Who do you have? Well, originally I went with Martin Landau, but then I looked on IMDb and he's dead. So. <laughs> <laughs> You need to I look just, to see that. <laughs> I did. I decided to go with Peter Simonashek. I really, oh, I really I wanted to cast Peter Simonashek as Robin because Robin is supposed to be seventeen, but he's really a hundred and five <laughs> years old. So, but you know, he could be a good Alfred too. Ay ay ay! All right. Um, I will say that uh, the role of Alfred. Like Todd, I've, this guy is like ingrained in my head as Alfred to the point that it always bothers me when I watch like the Dark Knight movies and see Michael Caine or when I watched Batman vs. Superman and saw Jeremy Irons. I mean, those, those they just didn't fit because it just needs to be this like unassuming butler that just takes care of everything. Um, and I couldn't find a really great one. I went with uh, the one I ended up going with was Michael York. Um most known uh, to to our generation as Basil Exposition from the Austin Powers movies, but he's been in a whole bunch of different stuff when he was younger. Um, it looks like he's actually probably retired from acting now. However, I think he would be he'd be like perfect, just that unassuming older gentleman that takes care of things. I dig it. I dig it. That's cool. It's a it's a decent one, and much better than what they did in Gotham, where they made like. Alfred to be like some, uh, you know, underground like street fighter British dude. That was like, actually, he's, like he's he's butler slash bodyguard. That's what he is in Gotham. They actually gave him his own spinoff show called Alfred or no Pennyworth. I, they made his own spinoff show for this too. It's stupid. Yeah, yeah. Who, it's, who it's, plays him? I uh, I don't remember. Don't know. It it. it Someone who, uh, like, graduated from, like, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and ended up becoming Alfred. That's basically what happens. Jack Palance. I'll look it up. Jack Palance. What is it? Jack Palance. Yeah, there you go. Jack Bannon, it says. Jack Bannon. Yeah. Dude's a badass, but he doesn't belong as Alfred. (laughs) Okay. Um, Wait, I got one. I got one for Alfred. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. I got Charles Dance. Charles Dance. Is uh, he still alive? Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> just, he was in Game of Thrones. Ty, he was Tywin, Tywin Lannister. Uh, I've always, I really like Tywin Lannister in Game, oh, Game of Thrones. 
uh, you know, he had this last action hero role as well, and uh, he's yeah, he's been around and released some other stuff. He was the villain in Godzilla: King of the Monsters from that came out last year. Uh, so yeah, he's still alive and kicking, hopefully. Uh, yeah, so Charles dances Alfred. I think I could, I could dig it. I can see that. So Jack Bannon plays Alfred in the show Pennyworth, but he's not the one that I was thinking of. Oh, so it's a different one. So okay, then I. So I yeah, the know. guy the guy who plays him in Gotham, his name is uh, oh, where'd he go? Sean Pertwee. Nice. All Look those him C- up. The last thing you think of when you think when you see him is Alfred. All those CW shows, man, they just they blur together. Yeah. He okay. looks like the guy from last... Sherlock. Oh. What's his name? The guy I don't know what his name is. The guy I don't. Know. Was he Bilbo? Oh, Martin mm. Freeman. Yeah, that's what he looks like. <laughs> huh. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins. All right. Let's move on. Uh, so last I, one, Dr. Chase Meridian, brought to us by Nicole Kidman. Todd, who do you got? So this requires almost nothing of the actor other than to be eye candy and whisper, and so I decided to go with a porn star with <laughs> yes. acting experience, and that is Sasha Gray, and I am proud of yes. that pick. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, right well played. Well That's played. beautiful. Except, you know... Nicole Kidman, you can actually somewhat take as a psychologist. I don't know if casting Sasha Gray is kind of like casting Denise Richards as a nuclear physicist in a Bond movie. She was the most believable part of that movie. <laughs> we are making a 2020 Joel Schumacher movie, Terry. This is. <laughs> All right, Zach. Who's who's your Doctor Chase? Uh, I went with uh, Greta Gerwig because. I, I I had I couldn't think of it. Todd Todd wins. I, it's done. It's over. There we go. But Sa- Sasha is the best pick. Sasha Gray. But that's a good pick. Yeah. I went with Lily James. Um, she seems to be good at roles like this. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Adam, who do you got? Well, I had originally because, dang it, this is going to be some of the did you know stuff, but. I will go with Alicia Fikander on this one, but but we're going with like this. We're making a 2020 Joel Schumacher flick. She does have acting experience. This is a porn star, Brie Olson. She was in a she was in Human Centipede three. There we she go. Was in hu- yes. There we go. She was in Human Centipede three. There we go. <laughs> the door was All open. Right. I just thought I'd kick it down. So there we go. Who would Nicolas Cage play in this? Oh, I got I got Two the perfect face. one. Every character. <laughs> now we're talking. Make a Batman film where Nicolas Cage plays every character. I actually, I got. If we're just, if we're being serious about it, I got. Yeah, I actually go got a, uh, Fred Strickley, the guy that uh, the head research yes. guy department. Because I could totally see him go back to work, Edward. He's saying that line to him. I could totally see him going insane off it. Just that one scene. And then, like, flailing himself off the building to kill himself in that little, like, uh, brainwave sequence. That'd be fun. But, totally the, but the answer's Two-Face. He already did it in Face Off, kind of, playing, like, the two, yeah. two oh, sides yeah. of it. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. a perfect Two-Face. Yeah. 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 I could see, like, early 90s Nicolas Cage pulling off uh, Riddler. Wild at Heart era. <laughs> yeah. Wild at, or Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> yes. 
Two Face is the most Nicolas Cage, non Nicolas Cage role of all time. All right. Well, let's hop into our categories here. Highest war performance, the most irreplaceable actor in the cast. Adam, who do you got? Todd kind of hinted at it already. It's Michael Goff, the guy who played Alfred. Like, he's the one guy that kind of is in all four of these films. Uh, he, when you think of the Alfred, you think of this guy. You don't think of Michael Michael Cunn. You don't think of that. You think of him, and he's just perfect as Alfred. And, yeah, so for me, it's, it's easy. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. I'm going with uh, Jim Carrey. I mean, it, I think that he's one of the reasons this movie was as, as popular as it was. And I think no one else can do what he does. Especially, I mean, he was the hardest one to recast because nobody can do what he does. And he brings something just completely different. He's the most quotable of any character in there because it's Jim Carrey. Um, he's, he's the most irreplaceable. For better or worse. Yep. Zach, who do you got? I went with Ed Bagley because, I mean, this is a smorgasbord of terrible performances. And the one performance in this movie that is not that bad is Ed Bigley because his death scene is actually sort of like kind of hardcore. And I remember as a nine-year-old or eight-year-old watching this movie, thinking or the other Ed Bigley that he wasn't, or the other or the other one that he was in with Alicia Silverstone, uh, like Ed Bigley's death scene was kind of traumatic, and uh, he's actually pretty good in this movie. So yeah, Ed Bigley. Oh, nice form, but a little rough on the landing. He may have to settle for the bronze. It's sad that he got uncredited for that role, though. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Why would that role be uncredited? That because who would yeah. want to be credited in this movie? No offense, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is like... I, I'm not necessarily saying this is a good movie. I, I think I gave it three stars. It's an awesomely bad movie. It's just one I've seen. And I, it's like... It holds that special place in my heart. Alright, Todd, who do you have for Highest War? Uh, well, I mean, Jim Carrey's the obvious answer. So I'll go with Elizabeth Sanders as Gossip Gertie. Because yeah. I don't know anyone else can make that noise. Like, that laugh she has. Like, that is ingrained in my head so specifically. I was like, this has got to be a notable person. I was like, no, it's not. It's just this lady that was in these two movies. No, she was actually, she was in three. And she actually is pretty uh, uh, a pretty significant person. That is actually the wife of the uh, person who drew Batman. That's oh. the comic. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Like it's so actress. random. <laughs> How how does anyone know that, man? Because oh, he was only three movie credits are Batman movies. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because originally he was the uh, the guy that who drew him. Her husband was supposed to be in Batman '89, but he missed his day that he, the day of shooting something came up. So they used uh, a drawing that he did, the one that Batman with the trench coat, like for the newspaper. That was his actual drawing with his name on it. And then they cast his wife for the other three movies to take his place. So that's, that's crazy. That's that is yeah. deep dive shit, man. This is why Adam is on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> man, he has a wealth of information I didn't even know existed. Can Adam be the MVP of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> is the MVP of the podcast for sure? That 
Wow, okay. I was also thinking Worst. Debbie Mazar as Spice because she just looks evil. <laughs> like, yeah, just naturally it's true. Evil. It's true. Can we talk about Debbie yeah. Mazar for a second? Can you think of any other movie that she was in? Because to Beethoven me... Beethoven's second. Beethoven's yeah, second. Beethoven's second, yes. Beethoven's she second. She is amazing in that movie, as in <laughs> Beethoven's second, as that bitch that w- goes <laughs> with Chris Penn onto the waterfall and throws the puppies down the river, or she wants to at least... She's amazing in Beethoven's Second. She she's also actually, in Entourage, and she's in what Goodfellas. They, uh, Goodfellas, that's the one. Well, she's the isn't she one of the Gumas in, in in Goodfellas that Henry sleeps with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Debbie Mazar, man, uh, so low key kind of in the MVP running for this movie. She roasted a pig. Yeah. She did. That's yeah. impressive. I honestly think that her character name in Beethoven's Second should just be that bitch. Because that's, that's <laughs> like great, the best. Great rapport with Chris Penn. We could deep dive it's, that it's, movie, just saying. I could, yeah. low-key, I could do that, that shit right now, Todd. You don't know what I'm talking about, man. I could deep dive Beethoven's Second like a mother I'm sorry. It, we'll cut that out. If, 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 baby ears over there. If, if, uh, if that, if, um... Uh, if that was her name in Beethoven's second, then uh, to quote A League of Their Own, it's not just a name, it's an attitude. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Highest war, going to worst performance. What was the worst performance in this, Zach? Oh, thank you for starting with me, because I'm going to pick the low-hanging fruit here. That is Joe Grafazzi as the security guard in the <laughs> bank vault. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize to the three of you. There, there is no question this is the worst performance in the movie. This is one of the worst performances of all time in any movie. I wrote down all of his lines. It's a trap! Oh, no! It's boiling acid! Oh, hey, there's my hearing aid! My shoes! They're melting! That's all I have to say. And his, his, you know, I've never seen in another movie someone use a hearing aid as a device to defuse the lock on the door of the bank vault. And that is all Joe Grafazzi. He's also, he's, he's the worst performance in this movie, and he's Loki the MVP. So it, it appears that he's in the Deer Hunter. Really? Now that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but I could not tell you what he what he I, does in that. I I'll go along with he he might be MVP because I mean if he wasn't such a deplorable human being, Batman would have never gotten out of that bank vault. How does he know it's ba- it, it's acid? He knows like he he's able to identify right away. It's acid. Sorry, any of your picks are going to be second uh-huh. place, but okay. It says he's the band leader in The Deer Hunter. <laughs> At the wedding. Okay. Um, let's see here. Zach Worst performance? Playing, so. yeah. Worst performance. Adam, you're next. <sighs> yeah, that's that's the low-hanging fruit. That's like me saying the guy who yells at the end of American President. Yes. Uh, Bob Ronson. <laughs> there we go. Uh, kind of want to say Nicole Kidman. Yes. Because basically, Good, we were saying that a porn star can do a better job or do just as good a job doing this role. Yeah, she's just... All her scenes are so disconnected from the other movies. It's it's kind of a needless love romance, uh, romance thing. And here's another did you know. 
Did you know that this was a brand new character to the Batman franchise? This was not a comic book character? Shocking. Shocking, right? <laughs> and this is something that Warner Brothers actually did. They have they didn't want to pay Nicole Kidman for likeness royalties. So her character in the comics now is darker skin with red hair. So they didn't That's want to pay they didn't pay Nicole Kidman for her likeness. So this is the only version that has blonde and white. <laughs> wow. Sasha Gray could have That's not Yeah, Sasha yeah. <laughs> Girlfriend experience. Alright, Todd. Uh, Worst performance. Yeah, I only wrote down Nicole Kidman because she's like Kathy Moriarty of this movie or like Daryl Hannah in <laughs> Wall Street. It's like she's dubbed because her character is so disinterested. She even says her name backwards. Like she says, this is Dr. Meridian Chase. That's not her name, even though it's a better sounding name than Chase Meridian, which sounds like a bank or something. She says Dr. Meridian Chase and her name is Chase Meridian. And that, that just shows how disinterested she was in the movie. They're probably just like, hey, f it, we'll, we'll keep it in there. <laughs> All right, I'm going worst performance. I'm going Val Kilmer. Ooh. Um, yeah, I I mean, uh, watching this, he is so disinterested in being in this movie. Like he has, he is emotionless the entire time. He has the same look on his face. It looks like he's just reading his lines. Um, the only time that he ever has some other look on his face is the creepy Batman smile. Um, <laughs> That that's it. That that's it. The whole time he's doing just the exact same thing. I'm like, dude, you're a better actor than this. Is he Can though? you at least, you know, attempt? Yeah, yeah I think so. I think I the mean, the worst thing about Val Kilmer's performance is that normally you should differentiate between Bruce Wayne and Batman and he uses the same voice as both. There's like no difference between the roles. It's true. Yeah. It, yeah, they're they're both equally apathetic. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so I'm I'm going I'm going Val Kilmer worst performance. Okay, uh, the uh, the Big Tim Award for favorite minor character. Uh, we're gonna go with oh who do I go with? Adam, you're first on this one. So thinking about the Big Tim Award. Of for a minor character, you know, there's so many good ones, you know, well, maybe not so many good ones compared to Clueless or anything like that, but the one that sticks out to, to me is the Neon Gang Leader. If it's, it's Adam, a, you son of a bitch. <laughs> you asshole. <asked him. laughs> no, he wouldn't have got knocked down by Robin. He was cheap-shotted. The guy threw some dirt in his eye. It, it, it was completely a low blow. You know, he, he's a good fighter. I think there's a whole, like, backstory to him that we just need to dive into you know that's a whole deep dive discussion on this one like half a paragraph on wikipedia you know the neon gang leader that's where it's at for big tim war that was my pick too dang it <laughs> and I, so i'm going next because i mean yeah who who is the gang leader of a gang like he, what is he the what is it like the blacklight gang can they only like they they have their turf is only that one city block because it's the only block lit by black light. I mean, I... <laughs> it looks like The Purge. Yes. The third Purge movie. Yes. It's, it's like... I can see that. It, 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 is, it is the most Joel Schumacher thing ever in a movie. And they do that in Batman um, and Robin, too, in the motorcycle race. The, like the, yeah. whole, the whole city looks like that. Well, there's the actually whole motorcycle a different... race where all the, all the roads are 50 feet above the ground. Yeah. Yeah. There's also yeah. another like neon 
light lit gang as well in that one that Poison Ivy and Bane take out in Batman and Robin. But they're not affiliated, apparently. <laughs> the That's, Black Light Gang. It's too deep, man. Okay. Uh, Todd, you're next. Uh, well, you guys have already talked about Ed Begley a lot. Like, he really dials it up in this. He looks like the boss in the Hudsucker Proxy or, like, a comic book character. Like, he is really going for it. But, uh, but I'm gonna go with Gary Casper as, uh, the pilot because he is so, like, the right-hand man of Two-Face that he just calls him Face. He's like, hey, Face! Face! I'm like, is that, is Face his last name? And now, like, <laughs> I, I just think that guy's awesome. And then he dies. He gets shot, like, right there while he's flying the helicopter. But, I mean, I, I, that character is awesome. Face. <laughs> uh, that, that's a great call. I like that. All right, Zach. Okay, I'm going to go with Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. Because Commissioner Gordon is really excited when he is at the carnival charity benefit by those elephants man he is so enraptured by the spectacle of the carnival that he doesn't even realize when val kilmer announces to everyone that he is batman bruce wayne is batman and you know he's like a terrible uh commissioner gordon compared to academy award winner gary oldman but uh he's my favorite minor character in this movie Pat Hingle as Commissioner Gordon. One of the few hangovers from Batman Returns and the original Batman. Yeah, he kind of plays him as a bumbling idiot in, yeah, in this movie. He's, he's sort of like entertained by the elephants. Okay, so so the one the one little bit that I caught this time watching it that I hadn't caught before is um so right before we first see Batman come in and you um and Commissioner Gordon's talking with um uh, with chase dr dr meridian chase um and and if you listen to the dialogue and you listen to what he's saying in that moment before batman pops up he's he's like talking to her he's like okay we need a we need a way to to get a whole you know what we need one of those like big horns so we can so we can talk to him like that's literally what he's saying we need a big horn I'm like what you're at the Police commissioner, what are you doing? <laughs> Complete, yeah. Bumbling idiot of a commissioner. And, and yeah. Comes up to the bat signal in his pajamas because someone else turned it on. He's just ridiculous. Alright. Let's see here. Uh, favorite scene. Or best scene. Um, I'll go first on this one. Uh, man, when, all right, when you know a movie this well, it's hard to find a scene that you want to say is your favorite because all of them are so quotable when you know a movie this well. Um, but the one that I like knew forwards and backwards when I watched it was the first scene where we meet Edward Nigma, and he's talking about brainwaves and... The future of Wayne Enterprises, brainwaves, and uh, it, it's and that's also the the uh, the Ed Bagley Jr. scene, and I mean it's it's such a random scene, but it's I just it, it might be my favorite because I could I literally knew every line in that scene, or any scene that takes place in that office space, because then you've got the other scene where 
where Jim Carrey has his little song about how he's uh, how he's sucking up Stickley's brain waves and you're the next contestant on Brain Drain. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm going with. Uh, Adam. Well, I I'm gonna go with the circus scene that uh, <laughs> the, under the big top. Not just one, but two hundred sticks of TNT. It's a horrible toothpaste impression, but uh, I think that sequence is kind of—it's at least fun. Get a good introduction to like the family of the Graysons before they're tragically killed. Uh, I think there's some interesting uh, stuff that happens, and I guess out of uh, all the sequences, I, I would go with the circus scene for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how? who would have a charity event at the circus? Can I just ask that question? Like, what are all these great, you know, Gotham City philanthropists doing at the circus? Well, back in Batman episode 17 of the... Be- no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you had me going there for a second. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, just- <laughs> <laughs> All right, Zach, what do you got? Um, I decide to go with the scene where Robin comes to Batman's um, house and is uh, he sees all the motorcycles, the 101 motorcycles, the Dark Knight. And uh, I love that Alfred offers him the burger and fries and salad. I mean, that really looks delicious. I also love that Alfred in this movie is low-key Batman's, like, mechanic. Like, he was the one who was fixing the cars in this movie before Robin came and apparently decided to, you know, exchange living at uh, Bruce Wayne's house in exchange for fixing the cars. Like, I would love to see Alfred fixing these cars. But, yeah, I I mean, I love that scene. I love the idea that uh, Robin is, you know, a 45-year-old man who social services is going to come in and put in the adoption (laughs) services because he's a, a teen teenager but he's played by 45 year old chris o'donnell and um so chris o'donnell was 25 when this movie was made just... he looks 45 in this movie with his <laughs> he, earring he, only he, thing i thought was toby mcguire the and same age for the last 25 years <laughs> that's true what'd you say adam i thought of toby mcguire and andrew gar andrew garfield in this whole this movie that's why i thought oh, yeah they looked way older than yeah. the characters they're supposed to play all right, Todd, what do, what do you uh, say for uh, that scene? So uh, my favorite scene is <clears throat> when we first see where uh, Enigma lives because it is, like, following him through, and it's like, it, uh, you're sort of stuck where you are. Like, that song, it's like you're walking into the, like, opening credits of an Adam Sandler movie or something. It's completely different <laughs> than any other scene. Yes. But it is amazingly yeah. shot scene, it's the way it one. follows him, and, like, the set and everything. I, I, I think that scene is kind of awesome. <laughs> But but yeah, no, doesn't doesn't uh, seem like any other scene in the whole movie. All right, um, let's uh, let's kind of speed through these last few. Uh, Stickman slash douchebag, not like together, but those two. We're gonna you <laughs> oh, say I could them do both them together. at the same time. Biggest Stickman, biggest douchebag. Todd, you're first. Uh, I'll say. I'll say Dick Grayson is both because I, I there's not a whole lot of stickmen in this movie, but he does get a kiss that one girl. Like, doesn't the girl does doesn't Batman ever get a kiss girl? You know, it's that. And then he's also a douchebag because I don't know he treats everyone like shit. I mean, I know his his whole family just died, but I mean he he's an asshole. Like, I mean, it's not biggest asshole, but I mean, it very well could be. All right, all right, 
Zach, what do you got? I'm just going to go douchebag and biggest stick man in this movie, and that is clearly Two-Face. I mean, he's able to get it in with both sugar and spice, and their names are not mentioned in this movie, but they, that's what their names are. And uh, he's, he's a pretty big douchebag in this movie. I love Tommy Lee Jones in this movie. Tommy Lee Jones, the, the period of like 93 to 97 of Tommy Lee Jones' career is like marred by like incredible overacting. So like we got like The Fugitive, U.S. Marshals, this movie, Natural Born Killers. Like this role is the exact same as he is in Natural Born Killers. And um, I don't know why I'm saying this among biggest uh, sick men, but he's, he's amazing in this movie. And he's the only one who clearly gets it in this movie because the rest of the characters are kind of gay. Like Batman and Robin. <laughs> Galactically gay duo. Yeah. Adam. Oh, I have biggest douchebag as Bruce Wayne. I think if he would have simply just a, committed to a meeting with Nigma, I think that a lot of it could have been maybe the Riddler doesn't exist. But uh, I don't know. I don't like Val Kilmer's interpretation of Bruce Wayne in this one too much. I just, yeah, I don't know. But again, I also agree with what. Uh, Zach was saying about Toothface, but he was also my stick man. But so I'm gonna go off the cuff. I'm gonna say the Neon Gang Leader is the biggest stick man in this one because he clearly <laughs> has, he has that one female lady as his uh, his, his uh, Margaret a- attached, yeah, attached by the hip. So Neon Gang Leader is the biggest stick man here, and he fights with the stick okay. thing too. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, my biggest stick man is. Um, is Bruce Wayne's assistant played by John Favreau? Because you know, you know he's a good stick man. I mean, all he's got. He's so I, money. I, work, I work with Bruce Wayne. I mean, that that's that's all he needs right there. And isn't this like the same year Swingers came out, or pretty close to it? It's like two Here years. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so there you go. Uh, my biggest douchebag is Crime Boss Maroney, um, because I mean. Uh, who who attacks the district attorney from the witness stand? I mean, <laughs> this, what what kind of a douche move is that? I, I mean, I mean, honestly, who does that? That so that, that, that only a, only a douchebag would do that. Okay, can I cha- can I change my favorite scene in this movie to the idea yeah. of Batman being in the court? <laughs> With Harvey Harvey Two Face, what is he sitting in the jury box or something? Like, why is Batman in the court case? Like, is this like out of Godfather Part Two? Like, he's there to intimidate the witness so they don't say anything. Like, he is there, man. And you know, I I want to know more about Boss Maroney throwing the acid at Two Face. Like, that is that's the best scene in this movie. I changed my vote. Did he really throw the the acid at him, or did like Two Face like take that piece of paper and just like rub it on his face as? I want to. I want to know how Batman was voir dired as a witness. Like, is he like a witness in the or is he in the jury box? Maybe does he show up in the Batman suit? Does the metal detector detect his the the, the suit? Does he show up in the suit? I have a lot of questions about that scene. Yeah, the, the five seconds we see of it on uh, on TV on GNN. GNN. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Anybody have, I, I mean, we could talk about flaws for like the next <laughs> oh, half hour. Oh, that would be the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I got there's so, many, stuff, there's I so some... many continuity things. There's, uh, the, the one that I wrote down was, okay, in the circus scene, the bomb's going up to the top. This whole, this whole scene makes no sense. Okay, he's going to blow up the building that he's in. Yeah. 
because because he wants to bomb. know who <laughs> and he's raising the bomb it's not like like it's it's going it it's gonna blow and up what's regardless. raising and what's raising it I mean, it like it like goes right out the roof. Like Dick didn't even have to try to take it out the roof. It just was like a, a hook coming from the sky that pulled this thing up to the roof. So that's one thing. And no longer that makes hooked. No he just sense. rolls it off the roof. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's no longer hooked. He can just roll it off the roof, um, and it was never gonna kill anybody. And then the other thing is. Dick's the only smart Grayson because the other three go onto those bars. It's like, oh, we're going to get this bomb that weighs, you know, a couple hundred pounds because it has all this, all these sticks of TNT. We're going to be able to get it hanging from a couple of metal pipes a hundred feet off the ground. That's going to do it. We're going to be able to take care of that. And they reach like, oh, we missed it. Where's Dick? Oh, he's actually doing something productive. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. They, they, yeah, yeah. The, the, the smartest Grayson lived. Let's just put it that way. Oh <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's so, there's so many things that are just like the main problem for me is the Bat Cave. How the hell do you get to it? Because uh, Bruce is like in his office, and then he is going at 200 miles an hour for like 30 seconds just to get to it. But it still is evidently under his property, and that you could drive out of. So how? It's not that far underground because. You know, Dick just like falls down some stairs, and all of a sudden he's there. I don't know. I, I that that back cave doesn't make any sense. Plus, there's like a fall to death thing like there. I don't really know where exactly <laughs> this is. And plus, when it, it comes out with the intruder alert thing, all the like the, the Batmobile comes up. Wouldn't that be counterproductive? Shouldn't it like not do that when you have an intruder? <laughs> Shouldn't it go down? Intruder or alert! Intruder alert! Shut up! <laughs> the back cave is the biggest problem with the movie. <laughs> yeah, why would you have a fall to death area in your own secret hidden lair? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Any of you? Anybody else want to mention a favorite flaw? Yeah, I, I was gonna. I was gonna go off of what Todd said. I mean, this is very Austin Powers, like the idea of you know constructing the uh, vault or the slide into um, the pit at, at uh, uh, Bruce Wayne Enterprises. Like, I thought he was supposed to be. Pretty, no one was supposed to know he's Batman. How does he get that installed at Bruce Wayne Enterprises? I, I, without revealing his identity, which apparently is very obvious among most people. Um, I was also going to say that um, the, my conspiracy theory of this movie is that it sh the, 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 this movie should have been called Batman and Robin, and the fourth movie should have been called Batman Forever because you could have done a, like a, 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 a Too Fast, Too Furious thing with the four Batman Forever and oh. yeah, this one should have been Batman Forever, the next one should have been called Batman uh, Forever. No, this one should have been called Batman and, and, and Robin. All right, so another thing about that scene, um, he he has a really a really tricky password on that on that you know that hole that goes to the Batcave. It's chair. He just sits there and says <laughs> chair, and he falls through the floor. I mean, does he have someone in his office ever? He's like, hey man, I really like your chair. Damn it, and he's gone. Oh yeah, and all of a sudden he's in like this like coffin thing that like takes him all the way there but he wasn't when he falls through the thing when yeah, does he end up yeah. in that like cocoon I, I don't know 
Did you notice right, the, Adam, the, the parallels okay. between Robin discovering the bat lair in his house and the uh, house in Parasite? I mean, he finds it in the kitchen and he goes through the cabinet. It's it's very similar to Parasite. That was another oh. cons- conspiracy theory. But all right, Adam, fa- uh, do you have a favorite flaw? Well, I have a couple things like it's off camera, little gripes, but I don't know if I should go too far deep dive into stuff. Do you know Robin Williams is posted? Robin, okay, here we go. I told you about the Billy D. Williams thing, but Billy D. Williams in his contract actually had that if any sequels were made with Harvey did that he had to play Two Face, but the, the studio or Schumacher wanted Tommy Lee Jones, so they bought out his contract. But Billy D did play Two Face in the Lego Movie. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers also wanted Robin Williams to play the Riddler. However, he turned it down because Warner Brothers used him to bait, or as bait, to lure Jack Nicholson to play Joker in Batman '89. Or they wanted him to play Joker in '89, but he was used as bait to get Jack Nicholson. Then he did. He said, "Nope, not doing the Riddler because you left a bad taste in my mouth." Uh, let's see here. The Riddler's costume was never used in any of the comics. I was uh, really distracting. Other than they actually used his costume in Batman issue number 91 that was released this year, actually, which was interesting. And my conspiracy theory is that the girl that Dick saves from the Neon Gang is Alicia Silverstone. I've always thought that, even though it's completely not. It's it. That was Barbara Gordon. That, that's my. It should that have been. Her. It should have been. And then also the the Riddler's costume, the white one at the very end of it, looks awfully like Gozier from Ghostbusters. I think the scene where he uh, saves the girl like inspired all of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies because like he just like stumbles his way into being like this vigilante all of a sudden. And he's like, I could really get into the superhero gig. Like that that seems like it was like the thesis for Spider-Man. <laughs> I also saw that uh, Jim Carrey wanted to uh, shave his head um, and leave just a question mark on the top of his head, Um, but he didn't because he was in the middle of divorce hearings and he was going to have to go to court. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Really quick. uh, LVP, MVP. uh, Adam, you're first. LVP. Uh... Oh, I don't know. LVP <laughs> Warner Brothers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, MVP. Uh, well, I don't want to take Zach, so I kind of have an idea what he's going to say. Uh, I'll say the my nostalgia for this film is a lot better than the actual movie. Let's say that. That's the, MVP is my nostalgia. Nice. I like that answer. <laughs> I like that answer. Yes. I I might go with the same thing actually. All right, uh, Todd, you're next. Uh, LVP is whoever is in charge of security at the bat signal, because like Doctor Chase just like <laughs> sneaks up one. there, and in a city that is so <laughs> infested with villains, like wouldn't that be the first thought? Like I need to lure Batman somewhere. I'm going to set off this thing, but like there's just some like random psychologist of whatever the hell she was specializing in can get up there. I mean, she's just some, like, hot-ass chick, and she wakes her way up there. She doesn't even have a gun. Like, I don't know. And plus, she's, like, in, in lingerie. a gown, Like, a, like lay a lingerie. There you go. So, yeah, the, whoever the in charge of the bat security, bat signal security, is my LVP. And my MVP is Alfred, because he's a mechanic in his 80s, and he was born to yes. play a part. And, uh, yeah, he's just a man. He's, like, ten steps ahead of everyone else, except for when he's giving uh, candy to trick-or-treaters. Yeah. All right, I'll go next. My LVP... 
is uh, the set designer because I hate what Joel Schumacher did to uh, Gotham City. Um, oh, and and did you know Gotham City has a Statue of Liberty in it? It just says Gotham across the crown, so it's not New York. I hate what they did to it. They ruined Gotham City, and it's even worse in Batman and Robin. So that's the LVP. And I, I, I really like Adam's answer. I'm going to say MVP is my nostalgia because I, I love this movie for no real reason other than it's it's such a big part of my childhood. Because it's a horrible movie. But I love it. And I'll watch it over and over and over again still to this day because it's just amazing. So, all right, Zach. Okay, my LVP, I, I'm going to echo what Adam said. Warner Brothers... The idea that they would look at Batman Returns and say, we made a great movie, we want, but it didn't make enough money. It only made $300 million, so we need to make more money. So we're going to change things up, and we're going to change out Batman, we're going to change out the soundtrack, we're going to change out the whole aesthetic, so that we can make this movie a McDonald's toy. I mean, like, they made the whole, like, McDonald's, like, plastic cups with this movie too i mean it was it was so much like you know that it completely removed any of the tim burton bullshit aesthetic from the original two movies too my mvp of this movie clearly is seal because seal got screwed over by this movie seal was only in the last 30 seconds of the end credits of this movie that is the best part of this movie no one associates kiss from a rose from this movie but that is the best part of this movie and low-key Joel Schumacher also directed the music video for Kiss from a Rose from this movie, and that is probably my highest Joel Schumacher war movie that I would submit to the Mount Rushmore. I actually wrote Seal down for MVP, too. That was the other one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, It is time for uh, quote of the day to end this out. I'm going to go first. I've got two quotes here. Uh, One of them is from Joel Schumacher. One of them is from Tim Burton. First, uh, the Joel Schumacher one. uh, He said, uh, Val Kilmer did me two great favors. When I wanted him to be Batman, he said yes. Then, he created a situation which allowed me to not have him play Batman again. They were both happy, happy instances for which I will always be grateful. I thought that was interesting. And then Tim Burton said about this movie, I always hated those titles like Batman Forever. They sounded like a tattoo that someone would get when they're on drugs or something. Or something some kid would write in the yearbook to somebody else. I have high problems with some of those titles. So, there's my yes. there's my parting shots about Batman Forever. Batman Forever, man! <laughs> 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 Alright, uh, Todd, you're next. Joygasm! <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's so many things that you could quote that, that he... That he says, I'm sucking up your IQ. Anyway, okay. Uh, Zach, you're next. <laughs> okay, my quote comes from Tommy Lee Jones. And because Tommy Lee Jones apparently hated Jim Carrey on the set of this movie. And I love, apparently he met with Jim Carrey before this movie ever shot. And he disclosed to him what he thought of Jim Carrey's career and his charismatic uh, charisma. And he said, quote, I cannot sanction your buffoonery. And that is the way I feel about this podcast. Yes. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right, Adam, wrap us up. Okay, so I got the, a quote from the Riddler from this film. By the way, I've seen your mind. Freak! Yours is the greatest word of all. Can Bruce Wayne and Batman truly exist? 
and I guess we just proved that we can all truly exist on the same podcast together. So there, there you go. go. Yes. Yeah, Beautiful. Go. Well done. We'll find out today. all right and with that we're gonna draw this podcast to a close thank you guys so much for listening make sure that you uh subscribe rate review give us five stars so uh, more people can find us uh we'll be back at you next week with another episode till then have fun watching movies and we'll catch you on the flip side tell the fat lady she's on the five Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together.